Hello, and welcome to Sutra Side Talk, episode 191. I'm your host, Kamran Shushtar, and with me is... James Seelig. And today we are joined by Ryan from Across the Bifrost. What's up, Ryan? Uh, nothing much, guys. I am excited to be back for my second is second appearance, Cameron. I can't second remember. for this show because you were here for Thor: Love and Thunder. Yeah, yeah. And yes. then we talked about uh, at one point. I've talked to you about Bakchi's uh, Lord of the Rings, which that I... was in our other show. Yeah, Sutra said watch, and then yeah, we talked about the oh, glories the, of Lord of the, the Rings from movie? Ralph Bakshi. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was the nightmare-inducing film. <laughs> Uh, we just we talked about Sam and just how everyone gave Sam a little bit of extra special treatment just because <laughs> Sam couldn't really function like everyone else could. Cameron's impression of Sam was so spot on that it was like I was watching the film again as we were talking about it. The animated one or the live action? Which one? Oh my gosh. Live, all right, live action with Sam. Like, oh, Mr. Frodo, well, we have to go to Mordor. And then in the other one, he's like, <laughs> his like, iq drops so fast. oh my god <laughs> i love it because all right james i don't know if you know uh, in the animated one when gandalf leaves them to go on the journey in the beginning he turns around looks at sam and does like a fake punch lunge like a uh, and sam's like ah! <laughs> i don't remember that like i remember watching that as a kid i but it's been so long i don't remember like oh, most of it it's required viewing uh it's great it, yeah it, it, oh my gosh it's so good but like today like i'm excited to talk about these two movies because um i we were we reviewed quantum mania a while ago on uh, across the bifrost and um i haven't gotten to talk about guardians with people yet really oh two weeks ago oh, and i haven't been able to talk to anybody about it so uh, i've got Everything I'm going to try to recall as much as I possibly can, uh, but uh, I'm excited to to do this. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's great, and if you guys haven't realized yet, we're going to be talking about the animated Hobbit film and the Return of the King. <laughs> it's going to be a great time. Fake <laughs> no, uh, out. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, we might do that in Sidewatch eventually one day if we actually ever bring back Sidewatch. I don't know. Um, what we're doing? Yeah, Ant Man and Wasp: Quantum Mania followed by Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, no news. Uh, like I said, we're probably not doing any news until summer ganning shit starts and we get overwhelmed and drown in news and it's going to suck. But uh, that's why we have Ryan here. He is our Thor expert and also a better Marvel expert than we are. Oh, gosh. So we that's need... Uh... <laughs> so you'll be helping us out here with uh, any good references. So we want, might not notice that just as regular moviegoers and not like comic readers, even though I read a lot of DC and X-Men, but I don't get into the mainline Avenger type comics just because it's never been my thing. Um, otherwise, let's jump right into it. We're going to start with Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumadia. And uh, our first part, which I, I cracked up in my notes, I put, because uh, I'm like, oh, what, what am I going to title this in my notes? Oh, Marvel McDouble, that works. Uh, <laughs> but for Ant-Man 3, we kind of have a good little agenda going for it. And just because, you know, we've gotten, what is this, both the third movie for both of these films, uh, we're pretty established with the main cast of characters that we've been getting over and over and over. And not to mention they appear in, like, Avengers movies and whatnot and Captain America, depending, I guess, for, like, Scott and stuff. But... Uh, the ones we don't really get are the villains, which 
I guess one is kind of big because they're putting like three phases around him and he seems like he's important, I guess. We'll find out, um, especially after watching Ant-Man 3. It's kind of confusing a little bit, but... Uh, yeah, uh, that's going to be one of my complaints is at this point, with the several versions of Kang we've had, I am so confused as which, to which one we're supposed to like. Which we'll get be to, worried yeah. about. Um, but first off, I wanted to talk about the more important villain um, that really grabbed the eyes and hearts of audiences around the world. MODOK, a.k.a. Darren. Everyone's favorite Darren. <laughs> I hated everything about this character in this movie. It wasn't even just the CG. It's just like... There were literally moments that had me cringing and I, and I was just like, by the end of the movie, I I kind of felt like they could have left this character out of the movie entirely and just had some other hunter if they needed to have a hunter that, for that one scene. And it would have been the same movie. And all they did is just make a stupid MODOK. Oh, James, I can assure you there's no other version of him. There's not like a serious edgy. Uh, oh, for sure. Like he's yeah, always like, like a joke. He's a he's a floating head in a, in a chair. But like I don't know if it's just that like he doesn't have the weird stupid hair <laughs> or like like he doesn't look ugly enough somehow. But it's also just like the shit at the end of the movie where like Cassie's like, "Damn it, Darren, just stop being a dick." <laughs> he's like, "Well, I don't want to be a dick." Just, well, no, like, he's like, "That's all I've ever known." Are we really known. doing this right now? <laughs> yeah, but like, all right. Ryan, I gotta ask you. Yeah, what's up? In the comics, okay, that's his fit. Like he just has one face. He doesn't have a mask or anything, right? It's just a face. Yeah, I don't know why they did that weird tiki mask thing. Not to, yeah, like uh, I, I do agree with James there. I'm like, okay, we know Modok's gonna be in the movie. We we know we know he's ridiculous. He's ridiculous for ridiculous's sake. He was he was strange uh, in the beginning when he. No, that was the other movie. Was strange. This is Amen, man. <laughs> I'm recording additional audio for a show that's probably already. Oh, um, I see. Modok is. I don't get with the face mask. I don't. I don't. I didn't understand that part. Okay. Um, because to my recollection, that's not a thing. Um, that's not a thing. Previous. That's probably just an aesthetic choice for the movie. Um, yeah. And, uh, not something I'm familiar with outside of that. I, I honestly when i go into these movies uh like my opinion is amateur my comrade said expertise i'm like that is incredibly generous because i just have i just go in and i'm like okay am i going to enjoy this movie my standards have um my standards have not dropped because i don't care about comic book movies anymore i've just refused to care i've refused to care too much about to stress over them Right, yeah. uh, because um, you know I, I've got I've got other stuff going on, but Modok to me the the one part of the movie that I really enjoyed was because keep in mind this is Darren Cross, this isn't uh, the the comic book Modok George, yeah, that's not who this is. That's uh, what I, I knew that I was like they really just combined two characters because they're like right, right. they it, really put the yellow jacket as. Uh, which isn't yeah. isn't Hank Pym also just Yellow Jacket? If I yeah, recall? yep, yep. So the Yellow Jacket persona has been thrown around so many different places, so many different times. H Hank Pym has had, I believe, four or five different monikers that he's gone by. He's an incredibly complex, confusing character. Isn't he Ultron now, or some weird thing? He, he was bound like, with Ultron at some point. Uh, James, I see the look you're giving me, and that it it's it's, it's why I don't. It's why I stay away just, from. That's why I just read X Men. 
<laughs> Wait, hold on. You read X-Men to not have a complicated... Listen, I just read one of Jonathan Hickman's, like, page-long essay pages in the middle of the comic <laughs> that tries to explain everything, and I go, yeah, all right. <laughs> I, continue See, that, I guess that makes sense. That's where, that's where, like, I need your help, because Jonathan Hickman confuses the hell out of me, and I'm, like... I'm, I told uh, I told our, our our mutual friend uh, Brandon Blockstorff. I'm like I'm a simpleton when it comes to this stuff, complete simpleton. That's why I can't handle Hickman's X Men. <laughs> um, but I'm glad someone else can. I love the line going back to Modok. I love the line at the end where it, his death is a complete joke when he says, "I died in Avenger." I oh yeah, that was a little bit funny. I <laughs> laughed my ass off, James. I was, I was we were always oh, brothers, yeah. Scott. He's just like. And they're like, are we sure? <laughs> yeah, sure you did. He's like, well, yeah, why not? He's dying. Let's just, that, just give that it away. I barely even knew him in the first movie. So, yeah, I mean, he's a ridiculous character, done ridiculously. Um, you know, I, I get some of the gripes with him, but he was never going to be taken seriously. Yeah. Um, so, um, it, you know, it's like if you instead of going 50-50, like, ah, he's a ridiculous character, but, but we got to, like, make him edgy and, you know, we got to make him at least be taken seriously. I'm actually glad they didn't try to do that because it's really hard to take a floating head somewhat seriously. Yeah. So if I have to take him completely ridiculously, at least my gripe is, oh, that ridiculous character, he was so ridiculous. Okay, that that sounds kind of fitting then. Um, so that's my take on him. Uh, but, you know, five five minutes after I was done in the theater, I was like, okay, cool, moving on. So yeah. um, that's, I mean, that's my hot-ish, lukewarm, months-long take on on Modoc. Have they ever mentioned AIM in the MCU? I can't remember. No. Yes. Yes. Wait, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, if you go back all, all, all the way back, boys and girls, go all the way back to Iron Man 3. Oh. And Aldrich Killian, the... Uh, the guy, oh, shit, you're right. Ty Pierce's character, uh, he is... He is the creator of AIM in the MCU because he hands Tony the card that says, uh, you know, hey, I, I'm, I'm starting this thing called Advanced Idea Mechanics. And he, oh. Okay. So they could have tried to do a regular mode you have, off, but you totally whatever. Um, I don't know. I just I thought it was like bizarre that he showed up in this movie. And the whole time I was just like, why would Kang even save him? But <laughs> you know, whatever. That is a million dollar <laughs> question. Why would Kang save him? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. You'd, uh, I, I do not have a good answer for that one. Just, yeah, turn him into his I don't think Kang does, because he seemed to like, fucking hate Modoc. <laughs> there was no there was no anything there. It was literally just, hey, just don't talk in front of me. And that's all you ever get. Yeah. And then he's like, I don't know how to not be a dick. And then he goes, fuck you. And you're like, <laughs> my name is Darren, and I'm not a dick. <laughs> my name is to... Darren, and I'm not a dick. We're supposed Which... to, like, uh, we're glad there's something we missed. And it was like, no, this is just it. And you're like, uh, Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I guess that's. I guess that's the, the, next. One thing I do appreciate about you guys at this is I, we got through our entire review of Quantumania on Across the Bifrost and didn't even mention Modoc. Oh man, really? And I said to my to my my buddy Faz and and, and Haley, our other friend, we're like, oh shit, we totally forgot to talk about Modoc, and so at least I get all this Modoc energy out now. That's hilarious because I guess that kind of lean, uh, lead leans into like my point that like they could have removed Modoc from this movie entirely and it would have been the same. It, it, and, and hey, like if you're out there and you like you want 
like a ridiculous version of of Modoc, um, but maybe not the one that we got in this film. Go check out Patton Oswalt's series Modoc. Yeah, that's actually a pretty funny uh, Modoc show. It's um, I still find that one weird, but it's oh, yeah. If you're looking for that silly, like that'll do it. Because <laughs> Pat, I think Patton Oswalt's fantastic as yeah. Um, and he actually has even written some comics. Uh, he's helped write some comics where that star Modoc. So want to go check out other Modoc stuff that's in like multimedia. Go check out the I believe it's a Hulu series. Um, yeah, that, that'd be a good thing to check out. I'm shocked it's not being uh, removed right now because. Uh, Disney Plus and Hulu are removing oh, yeah. a bunch of content to uh, we'll get see. tax breaks, I believe, for your, like cut costs. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, on the cho- I just want to say really fast on the chopping block is actually Willow and the Jeff Goldblum show from Disney Plus. No, I love that, that show. Was a good show. I yeah. learned so much about sneakers. And I think the movie so for excited Willow about will be there, but it's the Willow <laughs> series that's getting taken away. So I'm watching. I'm fine. I'm on. I'm on like season two of Jeff Goldblum right now. I'm like going through it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And this then is I why you the should other like support the writer strike because fucking streaming is getting like literally making it so that some shows will just be obliviated. They or might whatever. put them on another streamer just to make money off of them to license them, but also yeah. I think apart from Jeff Goldblum, I don't think anyone wants to. The stuff they're taking off does seem like stuff no one would want to add to their catalog. If that makes sense, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think my only thing for Modoc that I would say they could have done differently is I don't even know if you'd want him in this movie, but just in terms of his character, if it wasn't Darren, just literally don't even explain it. Just be like, hey, Modoc, is the blah, blah, blah ready? And it's just like straight up dude with like merge the face a bit with the mask where it looks more comic accurate if you want it to. That way you don't throw people off with having one or the other. But then it's just like, yes, I'm Modoc, blah, 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 blah. And just don't explain it. And then you're just like, yeah, it's Mo- if you're a comic guy, you just go, yeah, it's Modoc, and then you you don't really have any questions for it, and then everyone yeah. else is just like, well, I mean, the amount of randomness in this film already, I don't think it changes much in terms of like the average audience person going to this and and watching at that point. <laughs> Honestly, if they had like, if they had just had Kang turn some random person in the quantum realm into a supercomputer just because he needed one, like that would have gone a little bit farther to show like kang's cruelty but it but like i don't know then making it just darren survived somehow is just like oh okay at the end of ant-man one he gets sucked into the quantum realm and becomes a murderous supercomputer yeah somehow (laughs) classic darren classic darren (laughs) classic darren (laughs) (laughs) all right uh more importantly uh, our very special Kang or Kangs, I guess you would say, because you know we got we got first Kang in Loki, and we're like, yeah, yeah, he's talking he about the main Kang that we're like gonna get in Ant Man three, and it is the main Kang that we get in Ant Man three, and then he's not there anymore, and you're like, yeah, that's why I'm really confused. I'm like, wait, okay, so is is he dead? Dead? That Kang is dead, but there's like infinite other Kangs, apparently. just not as important. But like the one, but he who remains was should have been the more dangerous one because he he won he beat all the others. So I mean, literally the one that was what's going on. So I don't know a lot about King. I just know he is like multiverse time man who does a lot of crazy stuff. Like I'm pretty sure he took like uh in what was it like Uncanny Avengers when I briefly read it. Uh, he had taken I think it was like apocalypse or someone's two kids and like time 
sped them up into like adults as his like adopted children to fight the uncanny avengers um and it's just like yeah he has that power he could do that pretty quickly like this is just how king is and the whole thing is he's king the conqueror he conquers everything he can and we get that king in ant-man 3 and this is like that's the extent of my knowledge of king and uh i'm thinking okay so he's gonna do something and either get trapped he'll kill that man or something or uh he'll find a way out and that'll lead into you know threat the next of phase five and six of kind of him rising to power and uh it's not the case and instead we do see like yeah the multiverse of kings but the whole thing was they feared this king this was supposed to be the king of kings and now he's yeah, gone like already the, he was the rickest rick yeah <laughs> yeah like he like he was so terrifying that they banished him which to the quantum realm outside of time and space it, it's confusing because like each king has like a well if you kill me you know you're gonna i can't stop what's coming if you kill me yeah that was the other thing like this this king and ant-man also did the same thing that he who remains did where he's just like well if you kill me i i can't stop all the other kings like what okay <laughs> so that's my question is the one in loki was he referring to king the conqueror or the king dynasty i assumed he was more uh warning about just like the infinite kings and just there being another multiversal war where there's just like endless death and destruction okay but uh, i don't know so you think ryan so here's the thing with King. Comron hit on this, and um, and like I said, complete amateur. I've read a few comic books, um, and here's all I'll say about Kang. Nothing is ever off the table with this character. Whether whether what you guys are saying is completely on on the spot, or they're going to go in a completely different way going towards you know phases five and and six. Nothing with this character is ever out of question because all you have to do is say, oh, now it's this different king or that was a different king or this is a different version of that character at a different like we're going to see it in. Uh, I know we're going to get to the the, the post credit scenes for this film, but like Loki season two, we already see uh, Victor Timely show up. Yeah, is another Which is, like, is that like proto king or is that? Like... <laughs> it's it's a, it's another time displaced king who's got another, you know, uh, got another scheme in the works, and I think that is that is both. It can be the frustrating part of this character because with Kang, it's like where do I begin? Where where do where do, where does his story begin? Um, even in, if you go like on a, like on a comics database site to look at, you know, what, where should I start reading for Kang? Well, which version of him do you want to start reading? The Nathaniel Richards version. Do you want to read Kid Kang first? Do you want to read Robin Tut first? Do you want, like, where do you want to start? It's really d difficult. Oh, uh, so the Pharaoh Kang is actually like canon? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I remember seeing it in some panels. I didn't read the book, but I remember seeing like previews and stuff they showed like a bunch of them yeah like all the versions uh i mean immortus scarlet centurion all of these are versions of this character so his history is really complicated it's uh hard harder to parse out than most characters you know he's not like a he's not like a say the hulk or spider-man where you just start at the beginning and move forward 
I think that's also a thing that might save them depending on how the Jonathan major stuff falls out that might yeah. save them a little bit. Um, obviously the, the situation dealing with, with Jonathan majors itself yeah. is its own thing, but if the studio has to course correct and recast, this is the character to course correct. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, huh. So I didn't even think of that. I, I had a I had a conversation with uh, my sister in law the other day, who's a, a big Marvel movies fan, but not you know had never picked up a comic book. And she said, "What are they going to do?" I'm like, "Whatever they have to or want to do, they don't have to freak out here." Like um, now, I, I from a PR point of view, I get it. You, you know, you don't want the star of your next big you know, you know, multi-phase you know, saga to, to be in this kind of trouble and to have done or allegedly have done this thing. But if there is a character from comic books that you could do this with and it wouldn't be that big of a deal, it would be this character. So um, Kang is both incredibly complicated and also incredibly malleable. You can do so much and you could do a lot with him. And you could turn on a dime uh, and yeah, fans will bitch, but they always do. So, but from a storytelling point of view, it's not really that big of a thing to freak out about. You can do a lot with this character. Interesting. Okay. Sorry for my TED talk, everybody. No, no, it works. No, it's just like it helps. The, it, it helps as clear like how it works for us for sure. Yeah, like as you were saying it, it made sense because like in that post credit scene, like you'd see not just like human Kangs, but like what look like scroll and other ones. So like, right. yeah, it could literally just be like, yeah, if we need to recast it, it's just a different Kang. Right. Right. It's also funny. Cause you like sing King, the conqueror. You're like, oh, okay, this is a hard dude. This is like a, a guy who's very reserved. Like he knows exactly what he's doing. And then when you see the, the multiverse of K like the whole dynasty of Kings, some of them are just like, like them are dark edgelord you know conquerors. Uh, <laughs> yeah just, you know crazy characters um god it was and, very interesting and if like if anyone's hoping to jump in on the king proper um there's a few places you could start i guess you could go back to his first appearance kang's proper first appearance in avengers 8 um, it's a completely bonkers issue of an Avengers story, as most of the first ones are. Um, we that was the comic we actually chose to review with Quantum Mania, and my co-hosts were like, "Why did you do this to us?" I'm like, <laughs> "Because it's the roots of the character, and no one else is going to do this." Um, but there's a, been a few comics recently that might help people who want to go and look at, you know, recommendations for this character. Um, last few years, there's been a comic that's come out at the end of the year called Timeless, and it's Timeless 2021, Timeless 2022, both written by Jed McKay, who is currently writing Avengers now, and uh, has done Moon Knight forever, and you know, is a great writer. But the Timeless issues are fantastic because they are they are across time and space, and Kang is looking at the whole Marvel universe from his, you know, his, his nexus outside of, you know, time and space, like James was saying. And it's fantastic. Another series I would recommend is from 2021, uh, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, uh, who are currently writing Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, they wrote a mini series where Kang fights himself across time. Oh. And it's very, very cool. So, um, sorry, I just thought I'd get those recommendations in there. Um, uh, before we leave the, the Kang discussion, but I know Kang is going to be a discussion for the next few years in these. Movies. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Um, no, that's good though. Okay. Uh, but 
is Kang the Conqueror like the king we saw in Iron Man three? Is that usually the main king? Is that? I would say appearance, appearance wise, at least it's it's the main it's the main visual that we get of Kang. Okay, interesting. In my opinion, it'll be very interesting where they go with this. Then, um, yeah, like if it's just like each Marvel movie is just them fighting a Kang, and it's just like yeah, so it's <laughs> just Kang nonstop. Everyone's got a Kang now. They have to deal with, and I'm just like, <laughs> all right. We're gonna be kinged out by the end of this, like three in two phases. We are never gonna want to see King again. You would run out of movies before you would run out of Kings. We'll put it that way. That we, which just is like insane. Eventually, we considering just, Marvel is like get another, like every once in a while, we just get another Avengers versus King, like two, three, four, five. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Pull off the mask, Kang. What are you doing here? He's like, would have gotten away with two. More for you middling kids and young Avengers, considering like there's like 85 oh, yeah. of you now that they've introduced at this point. So glad you beat me to that joke. <laughs> yeah, God. The amount of like young characters they've thrown in because they're like, we're gonna kill off people or make them leave at a certain point, so it's gonna be a lot of kids to to work with the current audiences next. It's very obvious. Uh, next up, though, into the movie itself, really. Uh, all right, Ant-Man 1 and 2, I've actually thoroughly enjoyed previously because they aren't like the other movies. They're just... Because my biggest issue with a lot of Marvel films have always been that they have these awful quips that make me want to punch a wall half the time because they're just not They're just not good. I've, I've never liked the quips. They've always been annoying. They were sort of charming when Iron Man first does them in the very beginning. And then after that, everyone started doing them and it was just lackluster as hell. Um... But Ant-Man specifically didn't do that and somehow just went, no, nah, it's Paul Rudd. We're just going to do a comedy. Like, this is a, a small stakes comedy. There's nothing crazy going on where everyone else is doing some crazy I'm saving the world thing. It's just Scott going like, hey, I'm going to stop this guy from doing bad corporate shit in the first one to then, hey, I'm going to stop like a ghost woman from doing ghost stuff. And then that's it. And he comes out of like the San Francisco Bay and you're like, oh, okay, cool. And it's like, it's just like it, the whole point of it is I hope I don't get caught being out of house arrest. And that's, that's the only yeah. thing. And I'm like, oh, it's simple. It's small. It's easy. Like, I appreciate this. This one's like, look, it's Kang the Conqueror. And you're like, but it's an Ant-Man movie. And they're like, yeah, we're going to see how it goes. And you're like, um, okay, well, how are we going to do this? Because usually it's just a comedy. And this one, they try to keep it still being a comedy. But the fact is, like, they've increased the stakes by a lot, even if it's on a micro level, quite literally. Um, they really, like, throw in a... Probably the thing that would be second to the endgame battle of, like, the biggest fight in any Marvel movie, I think, I want to say. Um I, am I correct? I think I'm correct. Like, is looking through all, like, if you just quickly scan your your brain of previous Marvel films, I don't yeah. think there's one with a battle that big. I mean, maybe, yeah, because it, it literally was just like probably thousands of Kang soldiers trying to I mean, fight off Giant Scott. You you could maybe do like the the climactic battle at the end of the first Guardians movie. That one's pretty big. Yeah, that's like mega spaceship battle. That, that, yeah, it's, it had the uh, the shield, big big shield. Right. I mean, um, there's a lot of Nova Corps ships, a lot of Dark Aster ships. Uh, yeah. It's the only one that really comes to mind. But I think I think you might be right. Yeah, because the other one would be Thor Ragnarok, but that's just like four people on a bridge fighting like 
like yeah. three dozen so guys good. and a wolf. And oh yeah, no, that's it's yeah, that's that's the best Thor movie for sure. Even though it's the worst Thor movie at the same it, in terms of Thor lore, it's the worst Thor movie. In terms of just being a fun movie, it's like the best one of the four. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Thor lore. That movie scores like a zero out of ten. Um, but it, it it's funny. Like that's the movie that people be like, oh my gosh, Ragnarok is so good. And I'm like, you're right, but like it's barely a Thor movie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but how how did people feel about just combining comedy with the high stakes yeah. seriousness of Kang and just that what they do in the quantum my, realm? One of my bigger problems with this movie was just like like you, I really liked the tone of the first two movies. It's just like a fun, funny comedy with like some heist elements to them. But this one, it's just like there was such a weird it felt like tonal whiplash between this is funny and goofy, like funny dick jokes and shit like that. But like, or don't be a dick jokes, not like literally whatever. But, uh, <laughs> then you go to like, Holy shit. Kang has found us this whole, like, uh, s- settlement of exiles is being like slaughtered. And it just was really weird to keep going back and forth between like, this is serious. People are fucking dying. Kang is a literal monster worse than you could ever imagine. Ha ha, this is funny. We're having fun. It just, it felt weird to me. Like, it didn't quite mesh as well as they were probably hoping it would. Yeah. Um, for me, it's like looking at Guardians 2 really fast. Like, that one, I felt like, is probably the best example of what not to do. Uh, where the transitions were really bad compared to like, oh, this is really serious. He killed his mom. Look, it's Pac-Man. And I'm like, this is fucking stupid. This is really bad in terms of transitioning. And this one, I think, does a better job, but still doesn't do a good job of it at the same time where you're like, oh, okay, here's two really big villains from the comics and here's Ant-Man still being Ant-Man and here's slime glob man being slime glob man with the tentacles yeah he's like i have holes now and then he just like eats someone and you're like what the hell is because it's like right after that kang kills the hammer guy like he, he shoots like the thing from his hammer head it's literally a dude with like a like a, oh yeah the guy a, like, like a, expl- yeah, he i think that guy was supposed to be a sentient like hydrogen atom maybe okay but yeah uh, he just he dies and you're like oh okay and then never like not everyone else dies but like that sucked king like literally that starts disintegrating people like they're just literally being disintegrated like yeah. freaking which is insane you're like oh there's a lot more in this half comedy there's probably more death in this than all the avengers movies combined when you really think about it because i mean like the Possibly. first one there is literally zero death um they, they just show a bunch of aliens wrecking cars and that's it. Uh, and then like Quicksilver died in, uh, in, Ultron, in Ultron. They reference that people they might have died off screen, maybe. And then like Infinity War. Yeah, no, still no one died except for the sand people. And then uh, and then like for freaking Endgame, I guess some people might have died in the big battle, but you barely even see it. So really, ironically enough, this third Ant-Man movie has more death than any of them, which is insane. <laughs> they show death in anything that's not on Earth. If it's like the quantum realm or like in Guardians in space, 
uh, if you huh. if you notice that. And then or, maybe, I guess like Doctor Strange two sort of has some crazy stuff. But or just Xandar blowing up or <clears throat> off screen death. Yeah, Xandar. like we missed that. <laughs> we'll we'll completely like go a full Death Star on a planet that isn't Earth, but if it's on Earth, we're pretty much all safe. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, as a, like with the stakes, I I agree. I agree with the idea that like comedy is really hard to do at, you know in these big like huge action big stakes movies outside of like that quick like quip i will say that if there's one character if you would have tried to make scott like too serious in this movie it would have also been a a deterring from who scott lang is um, yeah. And who like the modern version of the character has become not just in comic books, uh, but also like we know who Scott is like we are very familiar with who the character is supposed to be. And like at the beginning of the movie, him like talking about like I was an Avenger. I wrote this book like that all feels yeah. so Scott Lang to me. Oh, the, the first begin pre quantum realm felt just like the other anime movies. And I was like, oh, this is great. And then like, yeah. And I think that uh, you can't change who Scott is, but you also can't like you can't change who Kang is like in his ruthlessness and in his conquering mentality. So like when they clash at the end, I was like, oh, my gosh, are we going to lose Scott Lang at the end of this movie? I, I legitimately like and maybe that's me being the simple. That's what I was expecting. Yeah. It's also would show like, hey, you know, this shit happens like. Not well, everyone's gonna make like, it. I I legitimately thought we were gonna lose him at the end, uh, and uh, and you know maybe maybe that's me being a simpleton. Maybe that's the director and the writers doing a great job of teasing a big character loss. I was kind of hoping he would die just because it would bring more. It would also make sense because they were setting up his daughter. Is like she has a suit that's literally the exact same as his. Yeah, it's not like so... Wasp. It's like Ant Man. Yeah. 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 And and um, I'm glad I'm glad that we get to see. Like we're gonna probably get to see Cassie Lang as stature later on in like her fullness, uh, because Cassie's death later on later on in comics it, during um, during an event called Children's Crusade, Cassie dies, and that's like a huge turning point for Scott. So like it may, I was like, oh, man, are they gonna do the reverse of this where Scott dies and Cassie's the one that has the moment that's like, oh, I'm gonna i'm gonna be a part of this team that goes after kang and then like no one dies at the end i'm like okay maybe we'll get to that later um but uh the comedy and the big stakes i get like it, it's like a it's a it's a fine balance like it's really hard to hit just right um yeah and uh maybe with ant-man it's easier because like lower stakes and you get to have more of those comedic moments like the final fight scenes in ant-man one and ant-man two are kind of like comedy fight scenes. It's Thomas the Tank Engine coming out of a house. Right. Yeah. yeah. It works. And if that hadn't been beaten to death in the trailers, I would have lost my shit. And like, I still laugh because that's great. Like, that's an Ant-Man joke. That's an yeah. Ant-Man joke. Um, uh, and like constantly, you know, uh, when he goes big at the end of Ant-Man 2, that's a like, that's great because we've been waiting for him to do that since, you know, since Civil War. Civil War, yeah. Um, but anyway, like, it's hard to do. I get that it didn't really uh, land for everybody. It didn't really land for me because I wasn't sure how to feel at the end. Um, you know, but well, even Scott at the end it was just like, "Yeah, cool. We saved it. We saved the day. We beat King. 
wait, didn't he say that there was something bad coming if we beat him? And then, oh no, did I make things worse? Holy shit, did I just kill everyone? Nah, it's probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, but that feels like that feels Scott Lang to me. Yeah, that was very Scott yeah. Like, that feels good. Um, and and also like let's not over, uh, maybe uh overlook like Paul Rudd is just charming. Like Paul Rudd so can get charming. away with stuff in a movie that not a lot of actors could because he's just so damn charming. Captain America, I'm shaking your hand too long. <laughs> right, like dumb jokes <laughs> that he delivers are they're met with a with a sense of like ah oh, Paul, you're hilarious. Like you're a sweetheart. Um, but yeah, that's, I guess that's my meandering thoughts on that one. I, I do think it wasn't as because I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it on Disney Plus. I missed it. And oh, okay. same. It's the second movie I missed in theaters. Like the very first one was, uh, I don't know how, but it was Thor Dark World, I think, was the only other one I missed in theaters. Okay. Um, yeah. But it wasn't as bad as like, you know, everyone, when I got all the feedback from it, everyone was like, this is really bad. I didn't like it, blah, blah. And I watched it and I'm like, it's not, I wasn't like, going like, it was a great movie or a good movie or anything, but I'm like, it's not as bad as everyone said it was i i didn't feel as like i think it's also just because you could throw paul rudd in anything and paul rudd alone usually can like carry something just with the, yeah with his charm really yeah. and it's hilarious because you look at him and he's like oh he's so young and it's like no dude that dude's old and you're like oh right i forgot um, yeah. he just ages so well but uh he's the sexiest man alive according yeah. to this year which is crazy <laughs> like how that how that huh. <laughs> i forgot about that yeah um but yeah he he's able to carry it well enough and even i will say like it's even with the transitions not being clean like i'd want them to be they did good stuff where like when cassie grows and her and scott she like oh my god we're both yeah. big i'm really I'm so hungry big. and it's like i've never gotten to do this before because no one's yeah. ever big i like really me. want some citrus yeah <laughs> citrus. Like, yeah weird right <laughs> i was like what the honestly like I still think, I mean, I know I, it might be an unpopular opinion. Just to show the stakes, even in the middle of a comedy, uh, if they had killed Scott off um, because, like, and Kang didn't die and they still kept him as, like, maybe the main king, it would show his threat where it's like, hey, do you remember the, remember the dude that more or less was the catalyst to save everyone and bring everyone back? Like he, without him, they would not have been able to succeed specifically. Yeah. He's dead now. And the next big bad is coming. Like it's the thing of like where Thanos is like, yeah, he took out Thor and it's like, Thor's alive. And it's like, oh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> the sticks aren't as big as I thought, but he killed Xander. Yeah. I'm sure that was cool if they put it on the screen, but we also didn't yeah. see that either. We're just grimaces, just doing his thing with his fucking yeah. jewelry. Wait, how'd Thanos get the first uh, infinity stone? Oh, he killed the planet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so <laughs> Which I found out there was a like 40 minutes of Infinity War that was cut out. That was him taking down Xandar, apparently. Uh, uh, maybe maybe we'll it. get that as a Disney special and they, someday. They, they cut it because they didn't want the movie to be as long as Endgame. And I'm like, that literally was my main complaint was Thanos has zero substance. You're supposed to go, oh my God, it's the big bad from the, the post credits we keep getting that no, one that no one actually knows about when they cheer and they actually don't even know who that is. And yeah, you're basically just, supposed to know him from the comics and just be excited that the which, guy from the comics. Yeah, and the average the person doesn't know him. And you're just like, he's like, fine, I'll do it myself. And it's like, bro, you weren't even watching. What the hell are you talking about? I think like, that's why, like, 
I think that's why the first thing they did was they show him like beating the shit out of the Hulk without even using the power stone, and you're just like, yeah, oh okay. It's <laughs> and like you show him, him. it's like let him have his fun, and like yeah, and all that shit goes down. It was a Ebony Maw on Ebony Maw impression. I I I, I did enjoy. It. Well, then he choke he chokes Loki to death. And he kills in front of Thor. Like, <laughs> I'm sitting there at the beginning of Infinity War. I'm like, oh, so all the characters I love are dying. Fantastic. Uh, but like, I mean, it, it would have been, Cameron, what I'm basically hearing you say is you wanted Thanos to roll up to Xandar and call out Glenn Close and John C. Riley, And you want <laughs> this direct shop on that, the entire Nova Corps to, to, to just. They had it. They had it done. It was filmed apparently. <laughs> I just, I just love that that's the there's like this is what was missing him killing glenn close it wasn't even that it's just the having him have some form of backstory not just like when they're waiting on the planet like yeah this used to be my home and then i destroyed it because stuff and you're like well he didn't destroy it it destroyed itself yeah yeah exactly yeah it doesn't even, it's whatever see like, well that was the thing he's like this is what happens if you don't listen to me <laughs> That's why population control. I'll just, just I'll just destroy half of everything so that not everything is destroyed. Yeah, I'm not all the way a bad guy. I'm like half a bad guy. Yeah, a necessary evil. Oh, perfectly bad. Oh, Assaulting. speaking of, I don't know. Like, this is like a random bit of trivia. I don't know if like this is actually for real confirmed, but one of the things that you see in the uh, in Quantumania in like the uh, uh, exile camp or whatever or. Uh, refugee camp i guess uh was like a bunch of the uh, beings with like weird multicolored stone heads supposedly the, that might be the remnants of the original infinity stones when thanos said i use the stones to atomize the stones it's like oh so they're alive now in the quantum realm oh that's okay maybe all right that's <laughs> Or it could just I'm, I'm not sure if that's confirmed, but like I saw that somewhere and I was like, I could see that. It could just be an Easter egg for conversations like this. Yeah, it, they're not important <laughs> anymore. Once, like, remember you watched Loki and they're like, yeah, everyone's gone into these stones. They're like great paperweights. And like, that was so I funny. Loved that joke. <sighs> yeah, there's like infinite of these. God, I love, I love uh, so much. <laughs> uh. But uh, next up, the overall, I guess, like the overall plot and anything notable with the the heroes that they did. Uh, uh, can I just jump in here and say uh, Evangeline Lilly had nothing to do in this movie. You're correct. Yeah, except for the one time when she like grabbed Scott in the um, whatever storm, probability storm. Like, she was more like a foil for her mom, if anything. Right. Like, really, this should have been like, uh, you know, uh, it should have been like called the Kang, the Kang and the Kang and Janet Van Dyne movie. Um, with a little bit of Scott and Cassie, but almost no Hank, no, um, Hank kept saying everyone, they, the movie throughout the movie, they keep specifically saying, holy shit. It's yeah. like their favorite thing to say in that movie. Like straight up. Oh my God. Like, right. Right when Hank so... sees Darren, he's like, holy shit. <laughs> he's like, he, like they say, I, I, I can say at least three times they specifically say, holy shit in that movie. At least three. I, I I really I really like Hope's character. I like the Wasp as a character, not only in comics but also what Evangeline Lilly was able to do in the, in her appearances as character. I and it's it's they not definitely the, make her look like her mom is supposed to look in the comics because they don't make her look like the yeah like short hair style and everything. Mm. Um, 
but like I, I loved Janet's story. I loved her, you know, kind of holding back those things. But really, Hope's only part of this movie was like, "Hey, mom, tell us what's going on." Hey, mom, tell us what's going on. Hey, mom, yeah. Mama, help me. She is the Stewie clip from Family Guy. <laughs> movie, and then she does like one or two things at the end. I'm like. If it's gonna be Ant Man and the Wasp, I feel like the Wasp should have had a little bit more to do in this movie. And that's most because I, I love the actress and I love the character. And that's like, I didn't come out of the movie, you know, cursing to high hell that Hope was betrayed. Um, but you know, it's like sometimes you want to see great actors do more, and I feel like she could have done more. I don't know what that would have been, but um, I, yeah, that was my only. That was the only other character that I was really focused on. I was like, oh, I just wanted more of that um yeah in a movie like this i don't know how you give more than what's already being given because you know there was it was a little character heavy at times uh but you know that's the only thing that i i think i came away from wanting more of from a specific character yeah now that you mention it it is weird that she did like barely anything in this movie and she's like literally one of the title characters right yeah ever since they added her name in what the second one Second one um, is when she's added to the mask. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's just like the thing when she comes through at the end in the portal and you're like, oh, he's not dying. <laughs> I felt weird because I, I actually was like dismayed a bit. I was like, the drama's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That whole final confrontation, I was very confused because like they like Scott basically sacrifices himself to give them time to close the portal. And then Janet comes to help save Scott. And then they beat Kang and the portal closes and then they just open it again. So I was like, wait, so that I thought the whole point was they're going to be stuck there. That's why it was a sacrifice. No. But they just were like, no, 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 we'll give him five minutes. No. That'll be fine. It was. Stay That's what I was hoping when he said, I'm going to make sure you lose. I didn't want him to go to the thing and like make it blow up again. I want him to go and like destroy the portal so he couldn't get out. And that would have been like, yeah. oh, it's a two way thing. You need both sides in order for it to mm. work. So then it would have been like, oh, perfect. And then like he goes and kills Scott and it's like, I'll find another way. And then it goes on to the next film. And that would have been like, oh, that yeah. was really dope. Like that would have been like, okay. Um, but yeah, they didn't do that. It was, it was not good. Yeah. It, which is fine. You get the, the monologue after at the end, which is funny, but still yeah. it was, it's def definitely still missed uh, some really good points it could have done. But yeah. Janet though, frustrated me throughout this entire movie. Cause basically everything that went wrong was because she refused to explain anything. Yep. And then she just kept getting mad at everyone for getting the consequences that she could have told them how to avoid. And as if it's like their fault, which I guess, I guess you could see it that way because she literally was like, just don't touch the quantum realm, but she didn't tell them why or like what the dangers were. Right. So it's like, it's a little bit weird to be so like, it's all your fault. It's like, it's not really all their fault. Yeah, it's it, it it's a she's guilty. She's guilty of the thing they're in by omission. Yeah. yeah. She did not give the information that they could have used to avoid the whole thing. And then especially, you know, James, I agree with you, man. Like once they're down, once they're down there. That really started bothering me. Like logically. I would be like if I'm if I'm Hope or I'm Hank, uh, and I know they get separated from Scott and Cassie, but like if I'm anyone in their crew, I get so furious. It's like, lady, swallow your pride. We're all gonna die. So like, yeah. 
I get it, like Kang's a big deal, but as long as all of us know that Kang's a big deal, we can handle it together or we can at least try to. Yeah. It's like you holding on to this secret actually does us more harm. And like as an audience member, I'm like, it's not like these are complete strangers. It's not like Hank and Hope like have no history with her. It's it's your daughter and your husband. Like share the information so that we can all not die down here uh, and maybe stop this threat that you you clearly said is a big deal. But like, it's not like you're dealing with two idiots, like one of the smartest scientists in the Marvel universe and a superhero who's very capable herself. Like, yeah, you can probably MacGyver something with those two people and try to meet this threat. Yeah, I was getting so mad when they like by the time they got a ship and we're on their way to meet like bill murray i i was just like okay hope is literally asking for more information now you have time you're safe for the moment why are you still refusing to give them anything yeah like i don't know it just got frustrating and then for hank yeah his ants were more important than he was in this movie which he was fine. the foil for the ants it's just like I got really confused in the beginning of the movie when Scott's like, oh, cool. What what do you have in your ants build this time? And he's like, oh, no, I'm not having them build anything. They're smart ants. They're really uh, like capable and can totally build super technology on their own. And I'm just like, that's not how Ant-Man works. He's using chemical signals to tell the ants how to do things because they're dumb little organic robots. And you could do that. But you're never going to convince me, like, unless he... If he had had a line where he's like, oh, I, I genetically experimented with the ants. So now they're they're super smart and easier to communicate with. That's the back door to... Fine. <laughs> but they didn't do that. They were just like, no, no, no. Ants are actually really smart. And I was like... Just ask the cordyceps. I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah, no. Um, I think, too, like... Uh, Bill Murray just is sitting there for five minutes, right? That's yeah. really, that, that's That's just kind of what that is. And they... They use him as that and just a, hey, she was fucking in the quantum realm the whole time. And it's like, was oh, like okay, I was here thanks. for 30 years. I had needs. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, great. Okay. Um, like, I, I love even cool, Hank is like, uh, oh, yeah, so did I. <laughs> he goes. And Janet's just like, or Hope's just like, yeah, no. <laughs> and Hope is like, our Hope is. Hope has lost all hope. <laughs> you know what? That's a great way of putting that. <laughs> I did like that one line, though. It was like like hey what like why didn't it work out with the other ladies like she wasn't you baby it's like bro they got that from oh, that's kind of cute the, i guess they got that from kingdom of the crystal skull oh wait what yeah i don't think i don't think yeah, indiana jones movie. when uh him and marion are in like one of the trucks i love indiana jones so i'm gonna know this uh at one point like it's like oh yeah i've i've been with all these other women and she's like well what happened and he looks down at her because it's like you know elsa and uh even though she died so that ruled her out but um once her face from temple of doom and like i guess you assume other women all the time because he's dr freaking jones like he's the ladies man uh like literally every like woman in his classes is just like i want to fuck you <laughs> uh but like he's like oh yeah they he's like well what happened and he looks back at her and goes like they weren't you and keeps going and she's just like <laughs> but like yeah that that's where that line comes from so he got that from. Uh, I didn't even think of that. Indiana Jones I love yeah. that Comrade's pull is the worst Indiana Jones movie. How dare you? Uh, it was the worst, but I still enjoyed it because I that Indiana Jones is the the one franchise 
where it could probably do something bad, but I'll still. That's my one Achilles heel. Of no, it doesn't really matter for me. I'll no like excuse it probably no anything what. they do because yeah. Uh, Which is an easy one because it's only like four movies. Right. And yeah. two of them are actually some of the greatest films of all time. So it kind of works out. I agree. Temple of Doom is just so awesome. Oh, God. <laughs> I, mean, I, I remember loving that characters. movie as a kid. And then Short I went well. back and watched it at some point And I was just like, wow, this movie is bad. What? It's not bad. <laughs> How dare you? Eh. It's, it's so just, you know. uh, completely ignoring where Kamran wants to take this to talk about yeah, Dial. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> But anything else with the characters uh, or the plot? Nothing. I mean, nothing that's burning uh, that you know hasn't been hasn't already been said uh, throughout the course of our conversation. Okay, then real yeah, fast. I mean, we didn't really talk about Cassie much, but I don't know if there's really much to talk about. There's not. There's I don't not think much there is. Weird. Nah, it's just like I'm trying to be like my dad, kind of, and getting. I did like the one scene when they got like to the refugee camp, and Scott's like freaking out about everything and cast is just like dad drink the ooze he's like what oh yeah that was like you're just like what they share her like faces like covered and you're like yeah i i like the parenting honestly like as a dad i i like the parenting moments where it's like she he's showing her how to like you know you gotta you gotta you know go small then go big like you know i, I love i love those things like i'm gonna really hit on that when we get to guardians 3 with drags yeah. and stuff but yeah. like I love the I love seeing Scott as a dad to a daughter that can actually be in the conflict because Cassie has been around for you know all movies and she's really like Scott's heartbeat like and his purpose for like keeping going on you know through adversity but now he actually gets to be with his daughter as an equal fighting something together and I thought that was kind of cool but yeah. their relationship was the thing I found most interesting is that she wants to follow in his footsteps, but he's like, no, no, no. Like it's, you know, it's not that easy. It's not that simple. Um, so anyway, I I really liked Cassie in this, but yeah, I don't think there's a ton to talk about with her. Yeah. And this is like her third actress or something. No, I don't really know at this point. Um, I think, yeah. yeah. Well, after the blip, they, they, they had to age her up. Um, no, I mean, um, wasn't the actress from Endgame different from this one? I think so. Uh, yeah. You know what? Now that I'm like trying to think back to what the actress in Endgame looked like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I think we've like there's no other last things you want to say before we get to the last two parts. Not okay. really. Uh, ranking the three Ant Man films, the Ant Man trilogy. Uh, how would you guys, Ryan? If you want to start off, what would you, what would yeah. be your number three through one? Um, I would go number one. Number one. Uh, I think that movie is just. Like even even as a solo, don't even think about the rest of the Marvel Universe kind of movie. That like that movie is just a fun movie. Um, it's enjoyable. The characters mean things in that movie, and uh, I really I really enjoyed um, I really enjoyed that one. Um, I would put Quantumania actually number two because really? because they at least went big with it. They tried to do something that was bigger in scope with Ant-Man. And I think it would have been really safe for them to not do it. I think it would have been really safe for them to just do another heist movie, do another um, science-y movie like that. Um, I think Jonathan Majors makes this movie a little bit better because let's be honest, he's a good actor. Like he it's, is. oh yeah, he's in everything now. This movie, uh, this movie 
is really bolstered by some great acting, um, even if it's been given kind of crazy subject matter to go off of. And sometimes you can get away with that in a movie that's this bonkers. Um, and I would put number two, third, only because um, it felt like so much of a copy and paste of the first one. Mm. And and I get it. Ant-Man, like, Ant-Man was, like, when the first Ant-Man movie came out, people didn't, like, people didn't know who Ant-Man was. Like, let's be honest. People had no idea who this character was. And we're going to talk about that in Guardians, too. Before the first Guardians movie, this team... No one knew it. I didn't know who they were. Like, um, and people that say they do either are epic comic book fans or liars. So when it came out, like, number one hit so well. And I get why you do number two the way you did it. I totally get it. Um, And there's some great performances in there. Ghost is not that important of a villain, or I don't think it was that great of a performance that it was like, oh, I have to see more of this character. Well, Uh, she'll be back in Thunderbolts. I know she'll be back in Thunderbolts. And I'm I'm hoping that that she would just get more from her and not just the, the, I don't know, kind of the paper thin kind of premise of her character. Um, but uh, there's some things in number two I like, but that's how I would do it. One, three, and two. Okay. What about you, James? Uh, I would still put number one as the my most liked one. I, I just thought it was such a fun, like, just unexpectedly good adventure or whatever. And just like, I'm not, like, the biggest fan of heist movies, but I still, like, can enjoy them. Like, I I liked Ocean's Eleven and stuff like that. So it was fun seeing, like, a superhero version of, like, how do you steal something when you have, like, super tech and stuff like that. I thought that was cool. Um, I thought the villain for the first one was, like, perfectly, like, counter, like, a counter to the main uh, character because it's, like, basically the same abilities, but just, like, he has no morals. Yeah. Yep. Um... But I, I, I would probably put the second one as my second favorite, just because like I do hear you, Ryan, that like it is very similar to the first one, and that's probably why I like it so much. Uh, and my only complaint is probably just that like yeah, Ghost is not like that interesting of a antagonist, but I still had a lot of fun with that movie. I enjoyed it a lot. I really liked the aspect of like well he's on house arrest technically. So like half the movie, they keep cutting back to like, what's the ant doing? <laughs> and and Randall like, Park makes that so much good as Jimmy, as Jimmy Woo. The, oh yeah. That was so funny. Just I love like, he's in the third one. just like, they're having lunch together. <laughs> like that. <laughs> and actual like, friends. That in like in, uh, um, WandaVision, he shows up and he does the sleight of hand trick with right, the right. with the card to show the progression that he learned how to do it because Character he was Scott impressed him. <laughs> and so I, I thought, like, so I had a lot of fun with uh, with Ant Man two or Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, but and the third one, like, I still liked it. Just I didn't have as much fun as I did with the other two. So mm-hmm. I think that's why, even though I still liked it, it's just I didn't like it as much as the other two. Well, I, I just want to quickly echo something James just said right there. Like, I enjoy all these movies. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Even when yeah. we get to Guardians, like, I enjoy all these movies. Like, it's not like I'm going to sit here and shit talk them, you know, to high heaven and, like, you know, quit my Disney Plus subscription over it. Like, yeah. I don't care that much. Um, but all these movies are at least enjoyable movies. For sure. I guess so. Uh, for me, I think number three was number three. Uh, it, like I said, just 
transitions weren't necessarily the best um and it didn't give me the full laughs that the first two did um otherwise i think yeah it wasn't like i said i don't think it was as bad as everyone else that it was um but it wasn't great either or i think it was okay uh this is actually tough i almost want to put ant-man and wasp as number one surely for the fact it's so stupid but the whole time i forget what's his face is like when he sees a ghost he's like baba yaga i was just thinking like the th- you know what quantumania was missing the baba yaga guy in like a like your crew so this is what's going on, uh, down yeah, with like daniel pena and i'm like oh my god that's it's so tough because ant-man one establishes everything you need for two and then two just furthers it so i'm almost i'm so tempted to just you know what i'm going you know ant-man one number two ant-man two number one surely because it's just so much fun you have the most fun because it's straight up just like hey what if we like kind of turned ferris bueller's day off into a marvel movie and <laughs> freaking jimmy Wu is the principal and oh, like that's amazing and, yeah, that, that's really what it is. So, that yeah, that's my number one. And it's just him showing back up and being like, it's me. I'm here the whole time. And he's like, are we friends? No, get out of my house. And he's just <laughs> like, it's so good. Oh. And even to the fact that he won over Cassie's stepdad, where now he loves him. And he's like, you leave Scott alone. And I'm like, yeah. dude, this is... This is the peak of Ant-Man. This is the dude, best just like, we've gotten. He does the card trick in the beginning in the doorway. And, and like the stepdad's just like, How'd you do that? (laughs) Yeah. The whole thing is I love Ant-Man for being comedies and this is the best comedy. That's how I'm going with it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like it's crazy. I think what you said there is really accurate. Like don't look at Ant-Man, at least the first two movies. Don't look at them as superhero movies. Look at them as comedies featuring a superhero. Yeah. Like you'll enjoy them much more. (laughs) Yeah. God. Um, And then last thing. We get that little teaser for Loki season two and we have, yeah. Um, pro, uh, I'm making electricity King, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> I love that like hair. old haircut and everything. It was so perfect. It's so like, cartoony. The, the mustache. It's, it's ridiculous how cartoony it is, but I'm, I wasn't, I'll just say really fast. I wasn't sure seeing like the end of Loki season one, how it felt like everyone, all their minds changed because of like the, the time distortion. And in this one, it seemed because I was like, oh, are they his enemies again? And it's like, no, it seems like they listened to him because Mobius went yeah. with him to figure this out. He's literally like, this really can't cool. be the guy. So it, it did make me a little excited for Loki because even though I didn't think Loki was great, I, I did enjoy it. Um, so it's one of the more it's it's probably one of the only things I'm looking forward to this phase. So I'm like, OK, I, I'm, I'm excited for this specific thing now a little bit. Um, but did you guys have anything for season two of Loki or for that post credits that we got? I mean, as a massive Thor fan, and uh, oh, of course, yeah, I didn't even think about. It. <laughs> well, as as a as a fan of you know those characters, just you know, I mean, I do a whole show about those characters. Like, uh, I did not expect it when we got to that point. I literally like gripped my chair and I was like, "What is this?" And then you're watching it unfold, and I'm like. Oh, right. That makes total sense. I'm kind of like I'm in the moment, you know, watching Quantumania. And then I, I see Loki and, uh, and and Mobius show up and I'm, I'm just I'm excited. Like the fan in me was just like, I don't know what this means. It's completely unknown to me, but I already love it. 
And, you know, then we didn't really get news on when Loki 2 was going to come out, but now I can't wait for October. I'm so, like, stoked to get all the questions answered. Because, like, yeah. we've got so many questions about this season and very few answers. And I li- I like that. I like not knowing everything about a movie or a show before I go into it. I like being yeah. surprised. Um, and I, I enjoy the fact that Tom Hiddleston has spoken very glowingly about what they're going to do in this season and the implications of it i'm I'm here for it and yeah. this was the first visual we got of that so you know it's it's a little uh, fond memory in the history of you know asgardian thor loki characters in the mcu yeah Thought and in terms cool. of just like phase one through three characters like loki and bucky are probably the two i've always enjoyed the most so yeah they're, they're great like, yeah i will say too if you ever i don't know if you've done them already but if you ever do uh, episodes on uh, Journey and the Mystery, like the Karen Gillan run uh, with Young Loki, I actually read the crap out of those books. So I'd I'd, I'd talk crap. Oh, I'd, I'd oh Kamran, you, you are you're giving a preview of our fall schedule of episodes right now. Oh, that's uh, oh. we're we're hoping to do that Journey and the Mystery Kid Loki stuff. So let me in. Let me in. Let me talk about. It. I love those books. <laughs> I mean, we, we've had those requested for us so many times, and it feels like this fall might be the might be the right nice. time. So, yeah. okay, yeah, because I remember reading that in New Mutants at the same time they did the Exiles crossover. I was like, this is actually fantastic. I this is the team up I never knew I needed. It's, it's like, everybody. I'm so happy right now. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm really happy. Um, but that's the only Thor stuff I've ever read, read was actually that, which I was thoroughly happy about it. Um, Gotta remedy that. Yeah. Uh, Guardians 3. Time to talk Guardians 3. Uh, right off the bat, of course, I wanted to just get out of the way uh, just because I could hear James like <laughs> next to me in the theater a little yeah. bit. <laughs> I was like, the fuck? I was like, what is that? <laughs> it's just like at certain points. But what was the most emotional uh moment for you guys watching that movie i mean easily for me it was just like uh when rockets like friends were like killed in front of him and it's like kind of his fault and just like what got me was like the like scream of just like rage and pain when like lila dies in front of him and like the fact that the high evolutionary just like laughs at not even like laughs he's just like oh the you're being you're annoying me with your emotions and it's just like you see like all of what makes rocket what he is today where like he was clever enough to like get a bunch of tools just in case he might need to build something at some point and he builds a key out of his cell and like he's trying to save all of his friends and he gets them all killed mm-hmm. And so that's one of the reasons why he's like, I don't like to work with people in uh, in the first movie. It, except it for makes with... the second movie just a, like a sliver better. Um, yeah. And then like he picks up like the high evolutionary's gun and he's just like instantly murdering people. And it's like, oh, well, that's why he has no problem with like murdering people. Like he, his thing is that he's covered in guns all the time. Yeah. So it's just like you get to see all of the things that led up to him being who he is now and it's just like seeing that much pain in like one script like the closest thing i can think of is like as like a similar example as like a single emotional scream that like really impacted me this is going to be a weird tangent but in infamous first light the ps4 game oh 
yeah, there's like a moment where Fetch has like an emotional outburst like that, that literally is so like, I give such kudos to Laura Bailey for putting that much emotion into like a single sound. And I just thought that that, that one moment with Rocket just like screaming over the, the body of his friend is just like, it got me. Okay. My, for me, mine, 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 mine has always been the post uh, Nick breaking of Zod with Superman with Henry Cavill. Oh, uh, yeah. That's oh, just disappointment. So freaking good. Um, okay. Can I, can I throw one in here, guys? Yeah. Sure. Uh, Sam Witwer doing Darth Maul yelling Kenobi. Oh, mm-hmm. oh my God. Yeah. I've been which a Darth Maul kid since 1999. Wait, which time? Because I feel like he does it like four times. No, like at the at the end, at the, at <clears throat> the final end, duel. end of their uh, conflict in Rebels. Oh, in the uh, desert by himself, and you just hear this guttural cry. And like I, you know, I, we've all you know because we've existed on the internet, we've seen Sam Witwer's like footage of him doing it in the sound booth. Oh my yeah. gosh, friggin' destroy! Is he truly destroy the chosen one? Yes. yes, he will avenge us all. That was so good. That was so good. I was like, "Fuck!" Why is that in Rebels of all shows? It was the one with the worst animation. Well, I was I, like, "No!" I'm just, oh gosh, I, I'm James. I, I have not heard the one that you're referring of. Maybe if there's like a video clip, I would love to see that. Oh, for sure. Probably, there probably is, especially because yeah. they usually, for a lot of games, they'll do like, "Here's all the cutscenes compiled and as like a movie or whatever." They'll just take all the cutscenes and put them as a video. Yeah, yeah it's um, like one of the last scenes. Okay, so. and it's the DLC. I definitely so remember. I remember Man yeah. of Steel. At the end, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, he just killed the guy!" <laughs> like, yeah. Which, not- which, you know, wasn't that? Big. He literally killed Zod with like just evil in the fucking Christopher Reeves movie. Like he literally takes his power away and throws him off a cliff and he dies and he's smiling when he does it. And you're like, <laughs> people are angry about the neck break, but th- this is fine. What is wrong <laughs> is with like, people? It's like, people Batman turns stamp off a cliff and we're fine. Yeah. That's right. Everyone with their stupid excuses about like the modern Ben Affleck man of steel killing. I'm like, this is literally absolutely nothing. You guys are just choosing what history to remember. Right. Um, <laughs> Oh, but, uh, like it's, it's like intro to nerd anything. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what we want to remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Ryan? What about your... Well, I'll just say actually real fast. The trailers definitely... The first time they show the animals in the trailers, I'm like, you must be crazy when they die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, well, and and the, especially like, if you've read... I'll be honest. If you've read one high evolutionary book, like... You know what the dude is about. Like I've seen him a bit in X Men stuff, so I, I, I there's like a minor amount I saw. The, 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 the premise of the character is really, to my knowledge, it's unchanged. Of like he's he's experimenting on things so that he can create perfection of of yeah. something, and like he sometimes it's a joke, and he has the animen, and they're all like, you know, this guy's a pig, and this guy's a cow, and like I remember them for yeah. Like, but in this one, like. It's like I like I get it. Like the animals are CGI; they're not real. And I know, like, um, you know, again, like our our, our friend Brandon like uh, brought this up to me. He's like, "Yeah, this like a version of this shit happens in real life. Like this, you know, animals are also mistreated in real life." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, that also makes it hit." Um, and like so, like I agree with James. Like that scene hit me like crazy because I'm supposed to like James Gunn did a great job of putting that scene together. And Bradley Cooper was great in that scene. Um, You know, being not even being there, just in a booth, creating that emotion out of almost nothing. And 
I think though my scene for me personally, the scene of the two scenes, I guess, of Drax with the kids and realizing that this movie is not just bringing Rocket all the way around. It's bringing characters like Drax all the way around. Because how do we, how are we introduced to Drax in, in the first movie? He is in, he's in. Ronan killed my family. He's in the kiln because his family is dead. And yeah. Drax has been this joke, this buffoon, you know, for, for so long. And Nebula is so annoyed with him. And Mantis is the only one that knows fully what he is feeling and what he is thinking. And that she- was one of my favorite scenes in, in two when she's like sitting with Drax and she uses her empathy powers to feel it. And it's like, he's keeping all of this inside. And it's like, literally she cannot, it overwhelms her immediately. It, and like, it, he's just carrying that all the time. I, I James, that is my favorite scene from guardians Two, because his emotion comes out in on mantis's face and mm, that's yeah notice, like mantis and drax always have this like brotherly sisterly you know kind of bantering relation yeah they go on that like christmas uh adventure together yeah, like it's I mean, here's the thing Th- that that side of their relationship i find very entertaining the heart behind their relationship is even more impactful and i love that at the end drax got his version of a happily ever after yeah, got yeah. to have back a small bit of what he lost, and he gets to he gets to pour his energy as a father into all these kids that were mistreated and taken advantage of. He gets he is fulfilled in that moment. He gets what he needs, and the kids get what they need. And I was like, at like as dad, husband, like. I can I can relate with that. I can get that. And at the end, that was the part that I teared up at. Mm. My, my wife was I, next to me, like, four animals have just died. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, but I'm not an animal. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm a dad. Like, so I get it. Like, um, that was my favorite part. My most emotional moment was <clears throat> seeing Drax be made whole again. Um, I love I loved uh Dave Batista in all of those scenes. I loved it. I loved it so much. Okay. I did love that line that Nebula had where he's like, I saw the the real you today. Like you weren't born to be a destroyer. You were born to be a father. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. 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 I think for me, so I, I agree with Ron where I was like, ah, oh, the animals, but I was also like expecting it. So I was like, yeah, this is, this one is about as what I expected. And I was like, fine. Pretty much for the most part, I was like, <gasps> Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, and uh, for me, completely different. But it was actually when Peter sees his grandfather again. Oh, uh, where it got, that got that was me pretty good. Just like um, the, he immediately recognizes him, and he's like, "Peter," and gets up. I've, I've started to realize, like, I forget there was a Japanese film I watched, live action film. Um, just because I realize when I say Japanese, you're just gonna assume anime half the time. But uh, I, I've noticed that some stuff for some reason that always gets me is like a weird like it's always like a father-son thing if it's like super emotional and i'm just like damn and like recently james you already know it ryan you don't but like uh like a couple months ago my grandfather my grandfather passed away myself so like seeing that i was just like god damn like i was like oh i feel that i feel that all right um so that was definitely my most emotional moment it's basically going to be the most human thing that you're going to see like if you see something completely 
grounded human, that'll get me more than the space aliens or space animals type things um, for sure. Um, I could say, though, I didn't cry once during this movie because I was like, nah, I'm not going to do it. But that still was for sure the most emotional. <laughs> you're, 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 you're so tough, Comrade. You're so tough. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. No. You know. <laughs> Oh, extra extra testosterone going i used all my tears when ash turned to gold in the pokemon movie. yeah take that <laughs> oh man uh, the first pokemon movie as a as a 10 year old completely sobbing in the theater oh yeah i just oh, destroyed me Pikachu, are they yeah no um I, there was some other movies i probably cried about recently but i can't remember which ones they were i'm like i i've in I've I've taken in so many movies recently that I can't remember anymore because I was watching like all these screener copies I've had. So I've, my intake is like demolished my brain of just like everything I've seen, and I'm like overload, overload. Well, people uh, need to know that Cameron has become uh, an emotionless cinephile. Yeah, uh, <laughs> will not spare tears on any. Of You'll these be movies. hearing from me on Reddit. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have the daddy moisture. issues. <laughs> God. Um, did this movie do good? What did you oh, mean yeah. by that? I'm, I'm curious. So in the world where now we've gotten like 40, 30, 40 Marvel movies and we're getting kind of fatigued and everything else. And James Gunn even says like, I don't think people are tired of superhero movies. I think they're just tired of getting the same formula over and over and over, uh, which can be prescribed to, I would say, many of the MC movies. So um for me, like watching Guardians three, I'm like, are we, is this gonna be more of the same? Am I gonna, or is it gonna be like Guardians two, where I didn't really, I thought, I've, I've said it before, like uh, the Guardians movies for me are polar opposites, where uh, the first one is easily my top three Marvel movies for the MCU, whereas Guardians two is easily my top three of the worst movies of the MCU, and uh, some people are like, what the hell's wrong with you? Other people are like, oh, I kind of, I get it, and I was like, yeah, it's it it it's just like a mess, but um. I was worried about three a little bit because I'm like, oh, I didn't like two. But at the same time with James Gunn, I'm like, I love Slither. Uh, I liked uh, Super and I like Guardians 1. And I really enjoy the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, I'm still shocked how much I like that movie. I'm like, so far, really, Guardians 2 is the only movie of his I've never liked uh, compared to everything else. So I was like, is three going to be good? But at the same time, he's still running with the Disney filters compared to like what he was able to get away with in Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, where D Warner Brothers just said, you know what? Show whatever you'd like to show. Like you're you can be unfiltered. Uh, and Disney did let him have one F-bomb. You got you finally got the after all the Ant-Man holy shits. They said, we're ready to evolve. That was so funny. He's like, well, now what do I do? Get in the fucking car. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was actually well timed. But that's what I'm saying. Like, was this a good movie of like? compared to like other mc stuff like did this stand out was this like a good film yeah for me it did but i think it's mostly just because they actually got to some emotional highs and stuff like like we were talking about uh just talking about ant-man quantumania and just like as much as i enjoyed that movie it didn't really get me to any extremes of emotions for the most part mm -hmm. but for this one i'm just like it literally got me to tears and then it also got me like laughing at different parts so like any movie that can actually get me to experience genuine emotion like consistently and not just like one single scene i consider that a success so okay. i i enjoyed this movie a lot like you i think guardians one is one of my favorite mcu movies uh i liked the second one a lot more than you did but i still like 
it my problem with it is just it felt a little like jumbled yeah like the the scene pacing was a little weird and it just felt like stuff is kind of just randomly happening to the guardians instead of them choosing like okay we need to do this here's how we do it now we're here we got to do it versus this movie where they were very clear the whole time like okay rockets hurt he has a kill switch we need to find the kill switch this is where we find it now we're going and it was very like it made sense what was happening the whole time and just like all the flashbacks to rockets past i was i liked because i i like origin stories that's why I like Iron Man 1 so much, because I really liked like seeing him become Iron Man Mark II or whatever. Um, but no, nah, I, uh, I guess long story short, I, I thought this was a good movie. I enjoyed it a lot. Okay. Yeah, I think... You, Ryan? I think... So this movie does a few things. James hit on the emotional notes, so I won't, I won't retread that. I think this movie starts with a very basic premise and then what happens is because we know how these kind of like space adventures with this cast and crew is supposed to go we slowly just add things to it and then when we get to the end like the guardian outside of rocket the guardians don't have a beef against the high evolutionary but because the high evolutionary is such an irredeemable dickhead we <laughs> we are rooting for our guys to beat the bad guy. Like we, I said this to um, some other friends who were talking about this and they're like, high evolutionary, like he's in. I'm like, we're not supposed to like him. He's he bad. shot the otter. <laughs> he's a villain. Yeah. Like yeah. No, it was super satisfying when all the guardians came together and just beat the shit out of him at the end. We're, we're, you know, I gave these comparisons. We're not supposed to sympathize with him. Like we did Killmonger. We're not supposed to understand his methodology. Like Thanos. We're not supposed to fangirl over him. Like Loki. We're supposed to hate him. Yeah. And, and James Gunn and the actors involved, they create this movie where we get to the point where we want the bad guy to be defeated no matter what. And, and like, there was only one part of this movie that I did not like. And I, I like, I had a visceral, like, Ugh, no thanks, I'm good response to. And it was when Peter straight up kills the recorder. Like, I, that was weird. <laughs> I didn't like that scene at all. Um, and it was more because I wanted Peter to be, I wanted Peter Cole to be the hero. I didn't want him to just straight up cold blood murder a guy. And that like, that was the only scene where I was like, eh, maybe not. Um, the rest of the movie, I was, I was with the movie on all the highs, all the lows. It had me the entire time. I did not now, because we live in 2023 and, you know, our phones are like, you know, over every 30 seconds we can be like looking at it i didn't even think about looking away from the screen for the entire length of the movie that is when i can tell kind of like what james was saying like if they take me on an emotional uh, uh ride multiple times during the movie like that to you is like okay that's a good movie experience for me it's like if i don't think of anything outside of that theater for that two hours two and a half hours that is a win that is a bona fide okay. win. For and sure. it's not because like, you know, I, I can't be bothered with things outside of the movie, but like, if you don't, like, if you don't let me get out of the story at any points, if you don't have moments where like snooze, 
turn off the, I, I can, I can tag back in in a minute or two. Cause that's when the important stuff's going to happen. Um, I loved that the movie didn't let you go. Um, and in my opinion, top five Marvel movie. Okay. Interesting. All right. Guardians one is also in the top five. <laughs> yeah. so, but again, Guardians is another, I agree with James. Like I enjoyed Guardians two uh, a lot more than what Conrad what is saying, I guess. Uh, but, you know, like I said, Simpleton, I enjoy all these movies um, because I love these characters so much. And the character, the characters are really the heart of these movies. Yeah. You, can, you can throw all the big explosions and spaceships and monsters at it. It comes down to the characters and the characters are awesome. So I mean, yeah, it's it's very much like I mean, you look at the intro for two uh, where it's group run little group running around and everyone in the background just doing all the shit. And it's like it doesn't matter. Just like I mean. Look at the ride at Disneyland or California Adventure where they replaced the Hollywood Tower of Terror with it. And it's so short attention span where you see them fight for a second and then you drop and then you go back up and they fight for a second. And then you drop and they go, thanks for being here. And I'm like, what the fuck did just happen? I don't even what I don't have like ADHD. Why, why do you think my attention span is so short that I went, oh, oh, oh. I'm like, this is stupid. You guys are stupid. <laughs> I didn't like this at all. <laughs> but they go, oh, but look, we're on the screen. Bye. And it's a Mantis is there. And my, like Mantis wasn't even on the screen the other two times. She just is there waving this time. It's a, it's a whole thing. Weird. It's just, yeah, it's not good. Uh, I did like that we got to see Mantis fight in this movie. Yes, that was good. Yeah. Definitely. That was so funny. She's yeah. just like, you're a kitty cat. No. <laughs> <laughs> and Palm Clementine is so good. Like uh, the, the I, stupid yeah. dit, like you're you just want to dance and he's <laughs> and like yeah. all this stuff is happening where the dude is shooting every he's like you're it's really just like angry. unbridled rage it's just like has so much shooting Killing shit everyone and, and he's just still in front dancing. of him dancing. <laughs> so uh, I once heard a critique of Mantis um it, it being like oh well like she just she changes emotions so quickly I'm like yeah that's kind of her thing. Yeah. yeah, she feels well, the emotions of other people like doy. Like, empath, yeah, why would she she's not be as erratic and crazy as she is? Yeah. Um, it's like that scene where she's like trying to make Drax feel better, but she keeps calling him stupid. And she's just like, I don't. This doesn't make me feel any better. And she's just like, forget, uh, forget. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. So for me, uh, just to put context into it, like I loved Guardians One. The reason Guardian Guardians One is like my probably like number three movie is because they do such a good job balance like it's still unknown so there's a lot of comedy in it but it knows when to be funny when to be just a normal film where it's like oh there's music playing and they're going into prison and he sees rockets back and he's like what happened there and they kind of keep things very tame to the point where like yeah there's a stupid dance off at the end and it's funny and then it just kind of somehow transitions perfectly i don't know how they per it was so close together where it shouldn't have worked, but it did. Where it goes from that to like, take my hand, Peter, to that such shit the most emotional, most emotional MCU scene, uh, at that time of those phases at that point. And you're like, they did such a good job with it. And then you get to Guardians Two, where it feels like a bastardization of the first one, and it's just like, hey, what if we took out all the good transitions and just kind of made it ruthlessly funny? but not necessarily good. And a lot of it's also just mean comedy that doesn't work as well. And then the tr- like you get to like a serious fight where it's like the equivalent of like, oh my God, you killed my mom. What do you feel like right now? He just killed your mom. I feel like Pac-Man right now. And I'm like, this is by far one of the dumbest things, not to mention when they go really fast and the visual effects of their them like distorting was awful. I thought it was awful. Um, 
so for me it felt like they took what they thought was good in the first one when there was only part of it and just said make that the entire second one and i do get there's gonna be a lot of like well yeah this is the new family and stuff and they're still getting used to each other but here's all this stuff and it's like that doesn't make it good and like i said before it's like you find out more about rocket in the third one and it makes it make a little more sense in the second one but the fact that then you have to have another movie after to make that work doesn't work that you it should have been if you want something for that to work in that movie it has to be in that movie just like oh mandalorian and all these other star wars shows are sort of making the sequel trilogy make a little bit more sense well yeah they have to because they were such a shit show that you need to do that so you can potentially salvage them it doesn't make those movies better they still suck it's that kind of thing for me so when three comes along uh you get that return to balance but also you get that post-Suicide Squad Disney going, we're sorry, come back and do this again. We don't care about your tweets that we're actually hella fucking aged anyway. Uh, and they give him a little bit more leeway and he can do what he wants to do to finish it off. And because it's a finish and he's looking at it probably as like, if this is the end, I have to really make sure this works really well. And he brings back all the emotion more than you'd gotten the first one, which is really good because in the first one it's mainly, uh, it's mainly um, Chris Pratt's character. It's mainly Star Lord, but in uh, three he does a really good job of balancing everyone's closure, whether it is Peter uh, learning like I have to let go of the only thing that kind of became stable in my life after losing everything else. Uh, and then having to say goodbye to that too and kind of figuring that out to Gamora being like, I'm not the same person, literally. And they're like, well, she's not dead. And it's like, yeah, she was. They did technically kill her off. This is yeah. an alternate Gamora. Uh, and, you know, everyone else from, you know, Rocket's self-explanatory, Drax being a dad, Nebula learning. Nebula's was a little bit le like, it was harder for her, but like kind of learning to become a leader i guess you would say but also they they were playing around with like a star lord nebula thing that they didn't actually go with and it was like actually just comedy and you're like oh oh okay uh i didn't know how black your eyes were my father fucking tortured me um well, they're, they're good looking eyes <laughs> yeah so, yeah you had good taste uh, but like uh even i enjoy because like i hated groot in the second one it, it was just like a whole it just felt like you were watching money run around going don't you like the merchandise running around that you're gonna go buy in the store um oh, you mean like the cute little puppy thing <laughs> yeah it's basically they turn Groot into a damn porg uh but in three like you i really did enjoy the they returned to the guardians one voice of Groot. like it was the full vin diesel like i am Groot, and you're like oh thank you okay that sounds good like i i can enjoy that again i did like um, the uh full kaiju scene <laughs> yeah that and that was hilarious and for Who's those that <laughs> don't know you're not supposed to do that group um, like he keeps growing too so like by the end of the post credit scene he's like fucking massive yeah, <laughs> but for those that didn't realize like at one point he says i love you guys and that's not supposed to be like oh he finally talked like them this is what they hear from him. It's the perspective of what they hear from Groot when he talks, when he just says, I am Groot. Mm. He still is just saying, I am Groot, but that's them hearing what normally like he might say. Him. Yeah, whereas Gamora the whole time is like, How? he just said like, I am Groot. Why you're are you- are just making shit up, right? Yeah, you're making, yeah, you're, you're like, I don't understand it. And by the end, she sort of does. And then they give you that perspective at the end there. But uh, 
like I said, I think the third one had a very good balance of comedy, drama, seriousness, uh, emotion, and they really cleaned it up compared to, like I said, the second one. And it really felt like a worthy sequel of the first film to really end everything on. Uh, but that's that was my thought. I think it wasn't perfect. Uh, the first one I loved so much because I didn't have any complaints about it. This one I still had a couple complaints with. Not the same one as you did. I actually was just like, yeah, fucking kill him. Ah, I love blood. Uh, <laughs> it's like heroic, like, isn't it? No, nah, it was just like, it was just ruthless. I was like, oh, this is completely ruthless. Like, I didn't think Peter was going to be serious and he was like, you'll kill us both. No, just you. And like, I was like, well, oh, what do you kill him? Oh, you need to break his fall. That makes sense. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, hey, just... what if, uh, what if Peter Quill, Star-Lord, you know, the quippy, dancey guy, what if he turned into John Wick for like two minutes? Yeah. He just got pit after seeing it, it. I get it a little bit just for the fact that it's like, oh. It was a trap that we all knew about, but also the fact that it's like showing it's this a is the, to face off. This is the guy that screwed with Rocket the whole time. This is the guy that made him what he is and like did all this stuff to him. And here's his lackey that took the coat away. And then the lackey gets very like, you're all going to die. Like he gets very um full of himself and stuff to the point where it's like detrimental. Like you've now emotionally broken Star Lord. He's emotionally compromised. You've emotionally compromised this man now. So he's just like filled with hate where he's like, group, kill them all. Like, I'm done with this. Like, let's just, we're, we're, we're done being good. Like we're here to, we're not here to be good. We're here to make this, get this done. We're going to finish this job. Is, uh, is Guardi is the guardians trilogy. And then his, his involvement in infinity war, you know, with the snap. Uh, I feel like comrade just said like something that we could just define star Lord as like, he's an emotionally compromised character. Oh, I, our time. Yeah. It was so yeah. stupid in infinity war. What he does. Yeah. I was, I was but, literally but, like, you, they call back to that in this movie and it was so good he, he like, said it wrong he's like i almost get you know got everyone killed it's like no you did technically you yeah did. you're just lucky they had dust insurance well, they fixed it that though they so fine. that counts as almost yeah if they didn't have dust insurance you'd be in big trouble mister so, james what i've been hearing over the last like hour is that you and i need to do a live commentary of guardians 2 and just have comron in the background and be like oh, oh my god, god yes no fucking Shit. sucks <laughs> just like do do like clock record and just like strap him to the chair and give him his eyes open no no <laughs> look it's your favorite uh, part they're going they're going light speed no i don't want to watch this like, i was wrong so terribly wrong this movie's good let me stop this is the this is the uh, Star Wars equivalent of Leia flying through space. Stop it! Uh, God. Oh, God. I forget about that, um, and then every time you remind me, I'm just like, no, <laughs> brain hurt now. Uh, next up, just so this was, I thought the main flaw of this movie uh, was the unnecessary or also kind of weird fitting in of Adam Warlock into this. Just yeah. because you have this guy that they tease as a cocoon in the first movie. You have him hyped up at the end of the second movie. And then he shows up as a th as like a joke, more or less, in the third movie. Um, and it's not that I... Like, Will Poulter's performance as him was entertaining. I had a good time with it. But it just felt, like, out of place the whole time. Where it wasn't like he was done bad. It's just, they were kind of like looking around, like where, where do we put him here? Like we're having trouble fitting him into this movie. Yeah. Like was, we tease this guy already. The and this is the it. last one. We got to put him in somewhere. Especially considering like, if I were, I, I never really, I skimmed it a bit for infinity gauntlet, but like, isn't he like a key piece of infinity gauntlet? 
He's usually oh. like the protector of the soul stone, I think. He's a yeah. massive part of that. <laughs> yeah. So it really I don't the know. see with Warlock is that he wasn't involved in the Infinity Saga at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like and he's just kind of comedy like, relief in this. I hear people and the catalyst for Rocket. Like, oh, they freaking ruined Warlock in this movie. It's like, no, they didn't do Warlock at the right time to begin with. Like, yeah. it, like in this movie, you get like it's like, yeah, like let's fit a moderately popular character into like okay, this is my little soapbox for a second. People that get really upset about B, C level characters not being done well in movies. Um, this character is not like, it's not like they messed up Spider-Man guys. It's not like yeah. they messed up the Hulk. Like, it, like let's let's tone it down a, a fucking tad. Like it's, it's Adam. How, how main is he? Like, that's why I don't know. Like, cause <laughs> I only knew he was in Infinity Gauntlet. I don't know his like level so, in the comics. For a while, like the Infinity uh, Gauntlet, the Infinity War, Infinity Crusade, and then the 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 past that the Infinity Watch stuff. So like eighties, nineties, like an Apple Watch. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's he's important. Yes, he's important. Any this is going to be my reading recommendation for Adam Warlock is anything Jim Starlin wrote without mm. anything. Okay. It's phenomenal. It's great. It's great space soap opera stuff. It's fantastic. Anything with him in the Magus, anything with the Church of Universal Truth, anything with him versus Thanos, like, go read that stuff. You were yeah. never going to get that. So I I recently played the Guardians of the Galaxy game that I think Square Enix made or so, someone. And that had adam warlock and magus and yeah. the church of Inf uh universal church, truth universal truth in it and i really really liked that game and like they kind of in that game also play adam warlock as sort of a funny character but not like he's constantly making jokes and, and he's just like an idiot it's just like he speaks in rhymes and stuff and it, he's like it's like it seems like yeah, it's like he's trying to sound like no noble and like, oh, okay. you know, higher class and stuff. But he just like sounds weird. And like the Guardians are like, why do you talk like that? It's why are you putting so much effort into what, how you're speaking? And it's just like, it's still funny, but it's not like, mother, I I want to keep this pet. <laughs> it's just like, so I, I thought Adam Warlock in this was funny in the, uh, the movie. But... And it was interesting to me that they, in the two things that I've seen him in, he's been like sort of a joke character, but he was more of a joke in this one than he was in the Guardians uh, game, especially when like the Megas stuff starts happening and you're just like, oh, this shit's dangerous. And like, it's that he's a very interesting, complicated character, it seems, from in the, like the little bit I've known. You're right. You're, in you're the right. comics, is he a, a hero, villain, or just kind of like a neutral so. guy? So he starts out as this really this experiment. Um, these these scientists are trying to create the ideal person, the perfect person, kind of like what we're, we're what Aisha says at the end uh, uh, of Guardians Two, where you know we get that little hint that Adam is coming. Um, but he starts off squaring off with you know the fantastic four and thor like his first interaction with thor is actually hilarious um he steals sif because he wants a girlfriend <laughs> that's it that's just it 
and Thor. That's funny. Like, that's it. Um, so it's like some of his first few adventures are ridiculous. They're silly. Um, but uh, but he's that very stoic, like, I have just been cre- like a Frankenstein's monster kind of thing. He's like, hmm, what should I go and do? Hmm, I think I'll have a girlfriend. Girlfriends seem good. Like, it's, it's more if, that. Uh, they made Frankenstein's monster a knight of Camelot or something. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's 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 silly, but it's not intended to be silly. Okay. Um, this is like when I was like seeing, I was like, oh, James Gunn is finally gonna go full Adam Warlock. I'm like, people are not gonna get whatever they're expecting. They're not gonna get it because reminder, everybody, James Gunn doesn't care about all your childhood memories of these characters, um, and he doesn't care about you know the uh, oh, there's eighty. 50 whatever years of history with this character he's gonna do what he feels is best for his movie and if this is how he want, felt warlock was best used that's what was gonna happen like you know I, it's funny how like different gun properties it's like oh well it was okay in suicide squad but don't do it in guardians because that yeah. would be the trail of the character but but by all means do whatever you want with peacemaker and do all that kind of silliness i just i don't understand where like people draw the line with James Gunn stuff, just keeping it within his kind of movie. It's like these characters were going to make quips and jokes and all this kind of stuff. They were going to do that. So why are we surprised? Maybe it's not the most warlocky warlock we could have gotten, but James Gunn was still directing and writing. Yeah. So that's yeah. the that's the part about the complaint that I don't understand is that for Rocket and Groot and Peter Quill and Gamora and all that, for all of them, it's okay. Newsflash, those characters don't make a lot of quips, like all the time. Yeah. Does. But like for, for Warlock though, with Warlock, we're pissed. We're pissed. It's like, let's calm down. <laughs> like it's still a comic book movie. Uh, okay. That was, so, that's my, that's my second soapbox thing. And that's my, the last of my soapbox things. Um, so I'm more like, I'm on the point then about like, he feels fine. It's just his placement, really. Yeah, it's it's like okay, we weren't yeah. gonna get a serious cosmic savior Adam Warlock. It wasn't gonna happen. Um, like I agree with James. Like if this was like Magus, Church of Universal Truth, like he's fighting to save Counter Earth from all this, like that would like yeah, that would have also been a really good movie. But it was never gonna happen. Like okay, yeah, it just yeah. wasn't. So um, I went in with really low expectations of Warlock. Um, I liked the design of Warlock. I liked Will Poulter. Like I'm a Will. Poulter. He was fun. He was just like, fun. Yeah. It was just, what, what did she say? She's like, show him, give him a taste of what you can do. Yeah. Or show him we mean business. Show him we mean like business, and he just kills him. And she's like, that's not what I meant. That's <laughs> not what is this? What you have meant? <laughs> He's like, what? It's the guy. <laughs> but uh, I mean, fine. It was. It was fine. It did. Yeah. You know, I will go re rewatch this movie and I will enjoy it. Like, yeah. it's not like, I, you know, I enjoy watching oh, well, they ruined this moderately popular character. Yeah. Um, and then we already more or less talked about the high evolutionary, I believe, right? Or do we oh, have yeah. anything else to say about him? I think um, good. I will uh, say he's a top five Marvel villain to me. In comics or in the movies? Uh, well, in the movies, yes. Okay. I just, I loved how villainous he was. He was, he was, he... His straight up thing was just like the whole, uh, he, he's very petty for the fact yeah. that like, oh, you know something more than I do and I created you. Like that's the, uh, yeah, it's the I really like that thing scene. of what a parent would be. Uh, I, just like your parent wants you to surpass you. This dude's like, 
you've literally done everything I never wanted you to do. Yeah, like I thought that somebody. was an interesting scene where he's just like he's trying to create the perfect being, which you would think would surpass him if he's not already perfect. So when one of his creations does something that he couldn't do, or at least not yet, like some something got to a solution before he did, he was jealous. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting that that like broke him a little bit. And he's just like, he couldn't stand that one of his own creations is better than him, which you would think is why he's even trying to do it in the first place is to make something better. Yeah. For his yeah. army. It, it, it legitimately offended his God complex. Yeah. His creation would even come close to surpassing him. Like, and it's just, yeah, I, James, I hadn't even thought about that, that like he's building this perfect society by building these perfect people. And then he's almost taken, taken off guard that yeah. better than him in at some things. And like, um, I think what the performance and the writing around this character did was it elevated a an okay comic book villain into yeah. a villain where I'm like, ooh, like that guy? Like that guy means business. Like I thought the same thing about Killmonger, like to be honest. Um, you know, again, it's one of those things like, oh, Killmonger is such a great villain. I'm like, not really. Like in comics before that movie, not really. Like he's okay. He's fine. But like Michael B. Jordan acts the shit out of Killmonger, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. the point where it was actually like, hey, maybe you should have just made him Black Panther in the second one. That actually, <laughs> could have done a whole redemption thing. Been like, yeah, he didn't die; he just was frozen, like Winter Soldier was, and then just did something like that. But they, I, I just I love that when when the MCU is able to do that. You know, in my opinion, like they take a they take an okay villain and they make them really great. Yeah, I thought yeah. they did that with the High Evolutionary in this too. I think number one for me is still Obadiah Stane. Or Obadiah. Uh, really? Tony really? Stark built that. And again, yeah, he's the best line. Who, who does better? Box of scraps. I, I do the love the just the sound of like Tony. <laughs> so you want good. a non-consensual back rub? How are you gonna beat <laughs> Jeff Bridges? You can't beat Jeff Bridges. It's impossible. Like it's too good. Yeah, um, it's too crazy because there's times where I watch that movie. I'm like, oh, this is this is the big Lebowski doing this. Yeah, I think the second best villain is probably just like, what is my birth? I want my birth, and it's like, no, Whiplash, you can't have your birth. I want my birth. Give me birth. It's it's great. You lose, Tony Stark. You lose. <laughs> it's so weird that they were like, yo, let's smash together Whiplash and the Crimson Dynamo. Yeah, yeah right. It, oh, it's crazy. Yeah, and the third villain was probably the bird. Uh, the cockatoo he had <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, but uh, otherwise the relationship oh I want to say really fast when the evolutionary I didn't realize before Rocket scratches up his face they had like the thing on the side where it like yeah. keeps the, the, the face mask so when they're like who is he really under there when the Scooby-Doo gang finally solve it I was straight up expecting the freaking uh, men in black tiny alien in the body where oh. it's just a little dude controlling the face and he's like he was a raccoon the whole time and then just like dies or something <laughs> and it wasn't and i looked and i'm like oh that's what that oh i'm dumb all right yeah that makes sense <laughs> and i was like i was really expecting a tiny alien <laughs> don't you love that when you're like i think i've outsmarted these writers and then there's like you haven't outsmarted us. We actually did think this through. He's right behind like, me, isn't he? No, I'm right in front of you the whole time, you idiot. Oh, my God. Like, oh, what's under the mask? That's not a mask. That's my face. I now have no skin. It's, it's just a guy's face. 
<laughs> Rocket, you you took my skin. Now I had to get new skin. Yeah, he just like that skin too. He just grew himself a new face and just stapled it on like the Joker. Yeah, it really it's funny how yeah, like just... we get the we get the the peeling off the face in this one, and it's like oh gross. And but like when we got it in Captain America: First Avenger, it was like Hugo Weaving pulls off his Hugo Weaving face, and it's like yeah. perfectly smooth red skull. <laughs> Uh, delicious he sanded it to a t <laughs> it's great uh i guess since we've already talked about it mostly but any other relationships from the movie you guys felt not like romantic but just relationships between characters I mean, in general i touched on uh, it for a second I, I liked that like for most of the movie nebula was like drax you're a fucking moron like why are you even here you're not helping and then like she finally sees like the true him when he's like dealing with the kids and it's just like I like that she finally was like, oh, I see that you have more value than just being a, a strong dude who's just dumb. Yeah. Like, and then uh, same for Mantis where she's just like, I like, well, it's not exactly a relationship thing, but like at the end of the movie where she's like, you know, I've, I've spent my whole life just doing what other people wanted me to do. Yeah. And I need to find something I need to figure out myself. Yeah. Yep. And so I like that. That's like kind of a part of her relationship with everyone is like, I know what I'm like with everyone. I need to know what I'm like alone. Right. Yeah. I liked the, the, you know, just to piggyback off that, like what's great about the way this movie ends is we don't get a death and then everyone's like, I guess the team's done. Like we don't get that. We get a, we get a scene where everybody expresses the way that they want to develop as a person after this. It's like, yeah, guardians guardian the guardians of the galaxy wasn't their i had for so long had become their identity and now they're like who am i not who is not what do i add to the guardians who am i beyond the guardians and i think that was so great because oftentimes like because of the way comics work and how comic characters work we we they can they can develop a little but we're going to need you to come back to it a familiar place so that we as readers and we know what to do with you don't do like develop yes but don't develop too much and in this movie they're like no we're moving on like we're, we're moving on from this and yeah. yes it's a guardians team and i know we're going to talk about the the new guardians lineup but i love that mantis and nebula and drax and peter like they they all got to to do that and it was it was a good catharsis at the end. Um, and when Gamora, Gamora goes and finds her new family. And I thought yeah, that she's a ravager now. A really good too. The one relationship I, I just wanted to hit on was James mentioned Nebula. I love that Nebula in the first half of this movie, she's like a disgruntled babysitter. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, I got it do this shit again. And Karen Gillan is so good. Like yeah, she is she's just so good. Um, and she puts so much into this, like she's playing a cyborg robot and yet she makes it, she makes the character feel the most human at times. Uh, and at the end she, she realizes like, she doesn't have to be strong all the time. She can actually ask for help. She doesn't have to be the only one that knows what's really going on. Um, and that she can bear the weight of leadership and responsibility and not just be a lone wolf anymore. I, I, I just loved how Nebula interacted with all the characters. Um, yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. One of my favorite moments for Nebula was when like 
Peter is like, she calls Peter to be like, okay, we're on the ship. Where are you? And he's like, well, we're not on the ship. Why are you on the ship? And then like rocket chimes in and it's like the first time she's heard him speak the, in the since he was hurt. And she's just like, rocket, you're okay. And it's just, yeah. it's that hit me. Cause it's like, just like the relief and just like, you know, she she thought she was going to lose one of her best friends who like literally the one that literally improved her. Yeah. Literally improved her physically. And it's like, she has grown with him, not just physically, but emotionally. They were the only two that survived the, the, that weren't dusted. Yeah. And, and like that, I I totally forgot about that. They had five years together. and, And like, she kind of has like, like a way to empathize with rocket more than anyone else. Cause rocket has also been like carved up and like turn, turned into yeah. something other than he originally was because of Absolutely. all his implants and augments and stuff. And that's literally her whole being is like, she was torn apart by her father and replaced piece by piece to the point where she probably doesn't even recognize herself anymore, but she Ooh. is who she is. And so I see why she and rocket both are like really close at this point. James, that was so spot on, man. Thank you. I didn't even pick up on that. Like, listeners, you're listening to a treasure. Um, (laughs) That's so good. Yeah, definitely. I think also the the fact that, what would it be, I guess, technically? Like, one, two, three, four. If you count, like, Rocket and Groot together, Peter, Mantis, Gamora, Drax, uh... Craglin. <laughs> and Cra- I guess, yeah, to an extent, Craglin and... Um, good boy, good girl Cosmo. That I love that whole thing, the whole movie where Cosmo's just like, I know you don't think I'm a, a bad dog. Tell me I'm not a bad dog. Yeah, uh, but like, there's like It never six, stops hurting. There's six <laughs> uh, different forms of closure that they're able to do so cleanly, like without issue, without error. And I thought that you, pulling that off, considering it's like, you know, you always have team movies and stuff where you have the ones where it's all these people with solo movies team up and they're more spectacle. They lack a lot of substance being like the Avengers films, depending on what's going on. Whereas the Guardians starts off as a team film, similar to that of like X-Men and stuff. And that's the whole thing of what it's about. And you have to balance all these characters and make sure they all have their time to shine. And, you know, depending on the movie, you'll kind of like it, it's easier in the first one because there's only like five of them. And right. then they start growing over time. And even with the the crew they uh, like have by the end of three, they still do it really well, which is very hard to do with that cast size. Like look at Eternals and how that turned out. Yeah. It was like <laughs> 10, 10 people just going all over the place. And you're like, oh my God, it's so crazy. Look, he killed himself going to the sun. Do you like the poetry? Oh um, man, that was like, weird. It, it, this one just did it so well. And I was just like, I was impressed. I, I was very impressed by how well they were able to pull that off um i think too the fact that each one didn't have to be together they're all kind of walking away in the middle kind of kevin feige being like no my guardians are leaving and probably going to the dcu shit (laughs) (laughs) i love that you can make that a comic cover where you've seen that like the team dissolves and they're all it's like they're all going in different directions Uh, in the middle, you just have Kevin Feige, and in the background, James Gunn's just like, "Look, I have a Superman movie coming out." It's just, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, because uh, I, I love it. Like, it's the movie barely came out, barely came out, and already they're like, 
they they give you like small spoilers like you know peter quill is uh, chris pratt isn't opposed to returning yeah i saw that and i was like what the fuck does that mean i haven't seen this movie yet (laughs) we will see if he shows up in dc and stuff and uh all the other people like david patisse is like he says like he's not opposed to going to dc and you're like seeing all this like transition stuff of just like yeah these aren't like the marvel guys these are the james gunn's guys these are these are his people for the fact that you watch um the suicide squad and you see, like, there's, like, three people from the Suicide Squad in Guardians 3. One being Nathan Fillion shows up as, like, a guard in this one. Where I love those was, stupid um, meat suits. <laughs> what was, James, what was his name in Suicide Squad? It was, like, three letters. Oh, it was uh, TDK, the TDK. detachable kid or something? Yeah, so he sh- which apparently so he's not dead. Weird. So he's actually going to come back, potentially, which I think is hilarious. Uh, but he shows up in that. Uh, James Gunn's wife once again shows up in this and she's like the one that Gamora shoots in the leg and she's that like, was so funny <laughs> just like uh, Jesus Christ so she's like everyone up. else is stunning people and she's just like I'm gonna kneecap you and the one people probably didn't realize was Daniela Mo- uh, Melkor I think that's how you say her last name she's a Portuguese actress yeah I didn't recognize her she until plays you rat catcher too in the Suicide Squad she was the orange one that Gamora takes hostage that Peter's trying to like hit on but also i like, love go that help scene where she's he's like he finally gets her to like do something for him and he turns to Gamora. he's like see i told you she was into me and then he like just hacks the system he's like oh no i was lying i just needed to get an assistant <laughs> but she, she's in like um uh she's in two like it's funny because in a two-week span she goes from oh hey I'm in Guardians 3, guys. Check it out. Two weeks later, oh, hey, I'm in Fast X, guys. Go check it out. Like, oh, yeah. She she has a lot going on, which I will say, oh, my God, next when we, when I come back, we gotta I got to talk Fast X. It's so freaking freaking good. But, James, was there, before we do, like, the rankings and stuff, uh, Ryan ran to the bathroom real fast, but, like, before we do the rankings, was there anything you wanted to talk about, any lingering stuff? N- minus, like, the new Guardians that we see at the end and stuff like uh... that. This is going to be completely random, but just like a thing that really I liked in this movie was a single scene. And it's just because I'm a huge fan of like one shots. If you could do a, a good one shot, mm-hmm. it was the scene where the Guardians are all like, OK, we're we're on the high evolutionary ship. We need to like get through this hallway and they open the doors and shit goes crazy. And they just have this insanely in- cool choreographed fight scene with everyone where you get to see everyone's individual abilities on on display even like nebula gets her head like knocked in a way that like breaks her neck and she just keeps on going because dude body she kept like defla- it was, yeah her stuff was crazy and just like after a while i was like they're not cutting and like maybe there's some clever like uh, um movie effect like cuts because I've, I've seen like on corridor digital they've they've shown like Sometimes movies will do one shots, but they'll have like something pass by the the camera in such a way that it's like uh, you can hide a, a, a cut. But I just, I guess, as an individual shout out to this a uh, part of this movie that's not like on your um, list. list of things. Yeah, that one shot hallway fight I thought was really really cool. Very okay. cool. Yeah, Ryan, was there anything else you want to say before we go to the rankings? No, I think I think um, I, th- I think I've. I've giving you all i have up to this point all right so oh and also your... shout out to that bat family <laughs> oh yo r.i.p bat family that uh, just like gave their car away and then died just like the uh, look of like annoyance and like the dad on the dad or he's just like hey is that your car he's like oh. <laughs> like he knows what's gonna happen <laughs> uh ryan how would you rank 
the three guardians movies so this really uh probably uh i think we're all going to be somewhat similar with this um i three and one are really hard for me because i treat them kind of like how i treat the lord of the rings movies i love fellowship now because it's where we began i love the first guardians because it's where we began and i love I love Return of the King because everyone everything gets tied up and there's closure. And I love number three of Guardians because everything ties up and we get closure. So uh, I don't know. It kind of depends on the day, honestly. Um, do I do I want? How about today then? <laughs> I say, I, today, today I choose closure. Okay. Today I, closure. I, I would go with number three as my favorite Guardians movie, but like it's so it like it's razor thin close. So it's volume three, volume one, volume two. Yeah. Yep. Okay. How about you, James? Uh, I probably would still rank the first one over three. So my ranking would probably be like one, three, two. Okay. Uh, just because I, I really, I rewatched Guardians 1 recently-ish. And I just, I love how well they're able to go from like, these characters don't even know each other. And like, some of them just straight up hate each other towards the beginning to like, by the end of the movie, they're they're working together and become like a good team. It was just like a really surprisingly good movie for like introducing like five different characters, all with their very different separate backstories, and they all wow. come together and it works. And it's like high stakes, but they're somehow still able to do funny comedy stuff that works, and it doesn't have that weird tonal whiplash that I was complaining about for Quantumania. And just like, yeah, that that like take my hand peter scene just like still wrecks me when i just think oh. uh, think about it like cuz one of the things that gets me the most is if you ever like in a movie when they do a scene where like someone gets to see someone that they thought they would never see again or just like getting that closure that you were always like when they you see darren get. again in amen 3 uh, not like that <laughs> are you sure but yeah but so, but, he's an so, avenger so like uh, Guardians 3 had like a lot of really emotional scenes but nothing that hit quite as high as that one scene. Ooh. Yeah. So I think that's why I have to give it just like a slight edge over 3. Uh but it's weird cuz 3 might be a better movie overall. It's just I don't know. I'd I'd have to go rewatch both of them again maybe, but uh it's easy for me to rank 2 as th- my third uh of the 3 just cuz like it, like we mentioned before, it's a little bit too silly. It's a little bit disjointed and it's still good. I still enjoy it. I just don't enjoy it as much, I guess. Okay. You know, I always forget that Guardians 1 begins with his mom dying. Yep. Yeah. Like, do you guys remember like the trailer? Mom died of cancer. Oh my God, aliens. <laughs> yeah. Like the trailer for that movie was all like, hey, like some 70s and 80s songs you forgot about. Like it's just, you know, and then the movie starts Ooh, gotcha. with, by the way, Peter, your mom is dying and you know it's like whoa <laughs> it's crazy it's like the, i love the grandpa i haven't seen since that very first scene is that the very last scene yeah no i love that like in guardians 3 like when everyone's off the ship and gamora is just rooting through their shit like peter still has his backpack with all of the things that he had that he was like abducted with yep. yeah like all these years later he still makes sure he has that trauma yeah um yeah, for me, I think number one would be volume two. I just love to hate it. Uh, I'm just kidding. Now, uh, so volume two at number three, uh, for sure. I think it's going to be, yeah, same as James, number three at number two, just because 
it was it was a very good time i don't think it was perfect i saw the flaws in it when they were there whereas uh with number one it's a lot more it's smaller in scale just more focus on just a small amount of people and for me felt flawless like i could like i said i couldn't find anything wrong with this movie everything just went smoothly as all hell and just felt it, it also comes from such a great time where we didn't have that many marvel movies yet so you weren't just kind of like oh! <laughs> the whole time whereas like now you're like oxygen please like we finally got like a small i didn't realize we had this small amount of time where there hasn't been any disney plus marvel stuff so we just had these two movies and i'm like oh that was nice and it's like yeah we got three disney plus shows coming up bitch and i'm like oh fuck get ready for <laughs> echo and the others so I definitely think, yeah, that's, it's pretty much one, three, two. Yeah. Uh, and then finishing off here with the last two things, which pretty much are both post-credit scenes. One was the new guardians, which consisted of rocket Groot, um, Craglin, Craglin Cosmo and the, the girl and Adam Warlock. All oh, right. I forgot he was there, which Ryan, I want to ask you, who is the, is the, the girl? I know she's one of the, the children yeah. that escaped, but was there anything um, she an existing character? So I, I didn't look into the character um that much. So this is off the cuff. This could have been, you know, new rock stars could have did, done a, an entire video about this, you know, five seconds after they saw the movie. So don't send Comron any hate for the stupid thing I'm about to say. Um, I believe the character is Phil Bell, who is a member of the Guardians in the 2000s um she's kind of a mainstay for a while with the guardians uh before they kind of settled into the movie crew oh before yeah um so philabelle's you know cool character um i don't know a lot about her but um i I believe that's who this character is supposed to be um i could be wrong but uh that's my my best amateur guess okay i i like the the cool little like new team there it felt more Felt more interesting than the like the the new Avengers post uh, Avengers two that you get that you're like oh what are we gonna see with them oh you get like half of them and then Crossbones like commit suicide and then they fight each other and you go oh wait yeah. so what so we don't get that team no 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 you didn't get them you, for ten minutes at the you beginning can imagine what it was movie. like with them <laughs> oh okay well fuck you guys uh, but, <laughs> yeah so like I feel like for this one they could make like a cameo short return during like uh what's the big one secret secret wars Wars and stuff maybe um which makes sense if the other ones are now gone they could just do like this small amount which is more it it seems simpler to do especially with like a lot of them didn't really get much screen time previously or were only in this movie besides rocket um so you're just like bradley cooper vin diesel go back into the adr booths for like five seconds Yeah, like, um, according to Collider, that uh, kid is is Philavel, who in the comics is a descendant of the original Captain Marvel. Yep. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, but anything else on those guys? Otherwise, I, I love the lineup. I think the lineup. Is yeah, yeah, lineup. I like the lineup. Yeah. Uh, I like I like Rocket as the leader. I like that you know Craglin's a full like full fledged member now, and I, I love that they've almost they've taken. They've taken Warlock, this grown, all-powerful man who is still learning how to, he's learning how to exist outside of being just a creation of a creator, you know, similar to to Rocket, similar to a lot of different characters in in Marvel. 
I love that they're taking Adam and Philavelle under their wing to bring them along. Uh, I think that's, I think that would be a cool thread to follow. We probably won't get to see it in a feature length way, um, which is fine. Um, you know, like Cameron was saying, like we can't, not everybody can get their own movie. Not everybody yeah. can get their own movie, their own show, whatever. Um, I think one thing you hit on Cameron that I really loved was, you know, like Guardians, when, when Guardians 1 came out, it wasn't competing with anything. It wasn't competing with the next project that's coming out next month, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was given time to breathe and appreciate it. And I think that's one thing where like this team, this new team, we're probably not going to get to see them in that way. Um, they'll probably be a cameo or they'll probably show up in a random movie. Like what movie will they show up in next? I have zero clue, but yeah. whatever. It'd be interesting if they showed up in, in uh, Marvel's for like a second. Hey, oh, maybe. Yeah. That might be a great place to put them. Because, you know, it's looking like the Marvels is going to be this kind of crazy, like, where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Like, yeah. jumping where kind of thing. Um, I like the lineup. I think, you know, it, it's a fun team uh, of characters that we already care about, you know, um, after this movie. Yeah. All right. And last thing here, I'll let you guys start it off. I'll be right back in like one minute. But uh, how do you guys feel about that? I know Chris Pratt said, I'm open to returning, but he didn't say he's returning of the Star-Lord world return at the end there. But I'll be right back as you guys start that off. I mean, I guess it would be the same as like the other Guardians we just talked about, where it's just like, yeah, like he's not, his story's kind of done, sort yeah. of. So like they don't, he doesn't need to come back. But if if Peter Quill showed up in a cameo again, I wouldn't be shocked. I also like, I wouldn't, you know, since that's right james like since his story has it's been told it's done like his closure we we got to the point of his closure i think it's cool you know hey like he shows he shows up to just like do one thing or something like pratt does a a cameo scene or whatever like that would be fun because we already know the character's arc is done um and i think one of like one comic book thing that i thought was really funny was at the end when they say the legendary star lord will return yeah i I was very confused by that i was like so willy the legend the legendary part of that is the um is what they add to his like solo titles so like oh has done when star lord has had a solo comic most of the time the the masthead will say the legendary star lord i didn't know that that's actually Um, a really cool reference i like i'm sitting there in the theater with a bunch of you know normal people that just want to yeah. see fun superhero movie and i am freaking out about that word and my wife's like you are embarrassing us <laughs> it's like of course i am but i know knowledge that they don't know or care about so um, that's funny because yeah because like i was so confused when that popped up but like if i had known that i would i would have been freaking out too like they, that's the thing that's right it's it, it's 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 the it's the leo dicaprio thing of like mm. that's the yeah that's exactly the that's the thing uh no I, yeah. it's cool like wherever he shows up cool like it just like have fun with it because he, he's at the point where we can have fun with peter quill just doing a random one-off thing if we want um i i could even see featured character and i could even see him pop up as like i don't know maybe spider-man in a in another movie is like needs some space knowledge of something or, or whatever and he's just like well how are we gonna do this like oh i know someone and it's it's peter quill <laughs> That would make sense because they have a history from Infinity War and all that. But yeah. who knows? Who knows? 
Kevin Feige knows, but who knows? Grandpa, if Spider-Man needs me, I'll see you later. <laughs> they can even do like a funny thing where he shows up as Peter and he's just like, who are you? He's like, oh, wait, 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 give me one second. He puts a mask on. He's like, oh, Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, you were that kid on the ship in space. God, yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I could assume what you guys probably were talking about, but uh, I, I definitely just see him as support for another movie. Uh, nothing more. I think they'd show him sooner than Secret Wars or something, like a big team up. So it would just, I think it's for sure would be something Earth based uh, since he's just there. Um, but I think that's everything for Guardians 3. And what I wanted to end on is uh, just looking back, because I, the transition between like phase four and five felt almost not, ex- I didn't even realize because they're like, oh yeah, Guardians holiday special that we got during like december was the end of phase four and then ant-man three is the start of phase five um but i wanted to ask just like overall thoughts not we don't have to go specific or anything keep it short for the most part but overall thoughts on phase four just uh as its own thing i guess my overall feelings is like it felt like a lot of build up to very little because it seems like everything revolved around introducing the concept of a multiverse, which maybe I'm crazy, but it doesn't, it's never seems like that complicated of a um, concept to me. It's just, Oh yeah, there's potential alternate universes that are similar, but different based off of like random chances and shit like that. So it just feels like really weird to be like, okay, we need to explain how multiverse works in WandaVision. We have to explain how it works in, in Doctor Strange. We have to explain it again in Spider-Man. And it seems like it's all leading up to just making Kang and Loki the next too. villain. And, yeah. and Loki. So like several shows and at least one movie to build up this concept, which I feel like was way overkill. So it felt like phase four, nothing really happened. And it's all leading to phase five which is Kang, which is cool, but I it just felt like a lot of buildup that was not completely necessary, I guess. Okay. I, I In large part, I agree. Um, you know, there's a few movies. It's crazy that the movies I enjoyed the most during this phase were the ones that had nothing to do with multiverse stuff. Same. Mm-hmm. Um, because... Like people that listen to Across the Bifrost uh, may know this. Like, I'm not a big multiverse guy. I don't enjoy multiverse stuff because um, I just, I think nowadays, especially, it's overdone in so many different forms of storytelling and media and comics and movies and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes people, you know, you you hit it, you hit the nail on the head. Um, but you know, it's crazy uh, when uh, when Multiverse of Madness came out. It wasn't even the best multiverse movie that came out that month. Yeah, everywhere all at once came out the same time. It was like, yeah, that's how you do a multiverse movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I think the introduction of the multiverse, like James said, it's like, do we need to introduce the same concept four different times and then have completely whole movies and shows that have nothing to do with it? Um, Maybe not. Like, it, maybe it would have been cool um, to have like the multiverse. Like, say a nexus event happens at the beginning of phase four, and that nexus event kind of is a through line through the not the main plot point, but like it's a through line through the phase, and then we end the phase with Kang making his you know pronouncement of you know going after the whole multiverse. 
that like that to me would have made sense because then you you make the multiverse a like a C plot or a B mm. plot through the whole phase, and then you end it with like, okay, now we're gonna like kick it off proper. But there were whole things in this that had nothing to do with the overarching theme. And they were, in my opinion, they were better uh, for they were better for not having anything to do with the multiverse, um, yeah. which is which is a weird kind of you know I, I realize I'm I'm uh, speaking um, out of both sides of my mouth on that, but you know I thought it was a good phase. It reminded me a lot of phase two, where it was like, where are we going with this? Uh, mm-hmm. And we didn't have the benefit of an Avengers movie at the end of this one. So, you know, in phase one, two, and three, we ended them pretty pretty much with an Avengers movie. So it was like, okay, we're kind of tying off some loose ends here, but then we're spreading back out to go to the next Avengers movie. And we didn't have that with this. Um, so it felt weird. Um, definitely some good high points, but it reminded me a lot of phase two. So. Mm, I see. Yeah, for me, it was definitely, it just felt scattered for the most part. Like, when you look at it, only four things really out of everything there. Cause phase four is really the, the start of the Disney plus shows. So like you have probably maybe, I guess the same amount of movies you had in the other phases, but now with the shows added in, it doesn't really phase four is the start, the, the big start of, Hey, you're not going to get any breathing room now. Like it's pretty much year round for the most part. It's just nonstop. So you're like, Oh my God. Like it, it I think that's what made makes you nostalgic for like the first phase or so because yeah. uh you're like oh you just get one movie a year and, and it was a big that's... deal yeah, yeah the, when, each when movie Avengers was a big deal. one came out that was like a huge event yeah whereas phase four you're like i can't breathe I, I, i'm like drowning in marvel content uh and you know it's fine if they're all really good but you have a combination of fatigue kind of happening but also nothing's really hitting like i could say there were only probably in the entirety of phase four everything they had i think only two things i thoroughly enjoyed out of everything um hmm. and then others i was just vastly disappointed i'm like ones that i was legitimately looking forward to like miss marvel and i'm like it, it just disappointed me the hell out of me not the actress or anything but just like the, the way they had the it was like short it was a whole thing um the only two i actually legitimately enjoyed were shang chi and werewolf by night were the only two things uh, everything else I thought was just a either hit the mark or was neutral. Its own little pocket universe. That, you know. Which these are the two things that are standalone. That's why they were so good for me. Um, I think that I'm glad that the phase is over because I'm just exhausted from it. And we at least got three months between uh, <laughs> phase four and five. And now we're what two movies in, which I wanted to say like how you guys feel about phase five showing up. Like, um, anything there you're really looking forward to or do you have do you have bigger hopes of phase five than you did for phase four i gotta hope just because like like i was saying it felt like phase four was all just building up to explaining the multiverse so that we could get to kang and now we're here so hopefully now it starts feeling like like you said ryan there's more of a through point at this point and it just it starts to make a bit more sense like where we're going and stuff um so I'm a bit more optimistic. It's just weird because like the the first two movies, like one is all related to the main thing of like Kang and the multiverse. And then Guardians is not 
related to that at all. So it's hard to say like where the the phase is going after uh, after just these two movies. Well, and, and like okay, to use Guardians, to use Guardians as a as a example, the first Guardians movie, yes, there's an Infinity Stone involved, um, but we don't really even realize what's going to happen with those stones until later on. Yeah, uh, you know, Thor: The Dark World had nothing to do with the Infinity Stones. Until we realized yeah. that the ether. Like, hands yeah. Were by the way, ether was a was the infin- uh, was the like, reality stone. Like, and, and like <laughs> in the first in the first few phases, there was a through line of this is where this is going, and and like this is a little a, a nugget here, a, a, a little a sprinkle here. But then when it got to the end, it made sense. It it mm-hmm. made sense. You may not have liked it, but you can't say it didn't make sense. Yeah. Um, and I think. I think, you know, we did need a phase where people were dealing with the trauma of Endgame. We did. Yeah. We needed shows and movies that didn't just be like, oh, back to my superhero shit. Like, yeah, we which got, like, I feel a like a little they... bit of that in yeah. the uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier show. But it was like. We, a little bit I too didn't... in WandaVision as well. And yeah, um, no, but I just feel like they didn't really well. they weren't they were very shallow with it at the same time. Like they they didn't fully commit to it when they 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 could have uh, gone more into like that whole thing, where I think uh, if they I I know it's stupid it may, maybe it's stupid or not related but if they did a full on like show that was similar to that of like when you see Captain America doing like the AA type meeting for like people that survived the blip, um yeah. if they did something like a whole show it had maybe has some of the heroes in it but it was more. It's like um, I don't know if you ever read it, Ryan. Heroes in Crisis from DC. Hmm, no, um, it was very much like, oh, what what happens to heroes when they're like traumatized or like met, like having all this stress and stuff, and they're like, oh, there's like a secret place that doesn't reveal anything about anything anyone's doing, and what ends ends up happening there is like a bunch of characters actually get murdered, and it's revealed mm-hmm. it's like Wally West does it by accident, um. Wow. And like everyone's there from like, oh, Roy Harper dies, Poison Ivy dies, and some others die. Uh, they they actually ki- perma kill a bunch of the heroes that maybe you haven't seen in a bit. But uh, they even go back to like other traumas from comics that were like pre Flashpoint, yeah. and you're just like, holy sh! Like the amount of stuff, and they're just like, yeah, we're gonna show also the interviews of people dealing with the trauma of like, oh, talk about what you want to talk about, and you know, they go through all of it. Uh, but I think they could have done something like that for phase four, where it was people dealing with it, including heroes, but also normal people. And they could have really like grounded it, uh, in that sense. Um, they could have, I think done more if they included like the flag smasher type dudes in that, cause it, it would have been a good combination yeah. of stuff of just like, we're really just focused on the blip, but yeah, yeah that's just could, my thought. You could have done like, um, like, uh, Kurt, Kurt Busiek, the Marvel's kind of version where it's 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 a floor level um it's a floor level view street level view of the marvel universe um and you get to see kind of the the out the outworkings of all these crazy events that happen all the time and you know what it looks like like Cameron said like what it looks like to unpack all that stuff you live in a world where gods are literally flying around smashing shit together all the time that's got to affect you on some level. So, yeah. but I, I'm hopeful for phase five. Um, I can honestly say I'm at the point where like, I don't feel the need to keep up with every single moment of, you know, what's happening and, you know, like, uh, oh, what, 
Feige said this about this, and James Gunn said this about this, and it's like, I don't care anymore. I will go. Yeah, I stopped. The news pretty much have kind of... We used to talk about Marvel news on here all the time, and now we pretty much it was just too much. cut it, it was off. Constant. It was like, like every we episode. Cut off, we well, we cut off completely all of it. Half of it's not even important. Yeah, it's, you know, it's just it's that it's that you know adding a Marvel hashtag on the end of something because hey, it's slightly Marvel related, so you know maybe that gives it a bump. I'm like, I I just want to go see a movie. Like, I just want to go see a movie. That's yeah, all, at this point. Whereas we have, what, four more this year? We have Secret Invasion, then uh, I guess Marvel's, followed by, uh, did they say, what was for, was it Loki or Echo first? Loki uh, starts in the, in the beginning of October, and, and then, then Echo's in November. Echo is released all at once in November. Okay, yeah, so uh. it'd be basically, yeah, have those four things going on, and yeah. I think Secret Invasion is June? Secret Invasion is coming up real quick. Yeah, so, and I'm, like, at that point, like I said, like, I'm not really hyped about anything anymore either. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I'll check it out when it comes out, I think, because uh, I've started toying more. Like, I missed Ant-Man 3 in theaters. I haven't missed Marvel movie in theaters since, like I said, Thor 2. Um, She-Hulk, I kind of waited for more of it to come out as I started watching it. I wasn't, like, people were spoiling it a bit, and I didn't even care. I was like, oh, okay, and then they show me, like, oh, look at Thor's son's haircut, and I'm like, that's going to be interesting to watch, I'm yeah. sure. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, I've gotten to that point, yeah, where I know Secret Invasion is maybe the only one I could be interested in, but it depends on how it works because it's like, oh, we're going off of the tone of Winter Soldier. And I'm like, okay, but for some reason I can't, I'm not like, I hear Winter Soldier and I'm just like, there's no excitement building up. And I'm like, I, I guess I'll, I'll wait and see. And then if it feels like it, then maybe I'll get excited. Otherwise, yeah, I'm just kind of with everything here. I'm like, all right. Yeah, it's like these projects, you know, from, from Netflix, like, not a lot of them feel special at this point. Yeah. It's like we know we're going to get a billion of them regardless. Yeah. Like, and the only two, I think, were like Blade and Daredevil. And then Blade, everyone was like, all these issues, director left, all this stuff. And then when oh, Marshall Lee's so- like, yeah, there's like two fight scenes. And I was like. Okay, they somehow, Blade was the only, that was like, you can't screw up Blade. That's literally the hardest one to screw up. It's a guy fighting vampires. How can you make it not good? And it's like, oh, did life actually find a way? Weird. And then Daredevil. Yeah, uh, I was like most excited for Blade. And it's just like, everything I keep hearing is like, it's just getting farther and farther away. Because shit just keeps going wrong. Yeah. Uh, Daredevil, though, hopefully should be good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was like the first thing. And we were all like. That's perfect. Oh my god. Yeah. So hopefully Daredevil will be good because it's like everyone was worried, like, oh god, are we gonna get like PG Daredevil and all this stuff? But now we're seeing. Yeah. When are we getting born again? Uh, I think it's still Phase Four. Like, I'm pretty sure Phase Four is like, besides the ones I've said, like, I think there's also like Daredevil, Ironheart, Agatha, Captain America Four, Thunderbolts. I think that's his four. Oh yeah, Iron, uh, Armor Wars. I forgot about that. Not, not I didn't even say that one. I think that's Phase Six. I think Wait, it got delayed. So there's Iron Armor Wars, and then also an Ironheart thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Iron Man adjacent stuff on anything. <laughs> eh. They're they they get in the last your canteen of uh of uh Tony Stark, Artie, uh, Robert Downey Jr. There's just like this much left, and you're like. What's in it? Oh my God! Does it still taste good? It's Iron Heart and Armor Wars. Oh God! The water's warm. Oh fuck! That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, all I got left. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Otherwise, I think we've covered everything. 
Um, Ryan. Yes, sir. Where can people find you? So uh, when I am uh, when I'm trying to hide away from the internet, uh, you you can't find me. Uh, this last week I've been kind of MIA because you never ever have time, guys, where you're like, I want to get away from social media stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I just go MIA. Uh, well, you know, when you want to find me, I'm at at Mighty Thor Podcast. We throw up our new episodes and we tell you what's coming up on the show. We've got a few cool series coming up going this year. We uh, were graced with the news that there's going to be a new Thor comic book series launching in in August that a friend of ours is actually going to be drawing, which is fantastic. Um, so there's a lot of cool Thor news coming out uh, for this upcoming year. we got the Loki series we're going to cover in October. Um, you can check us out at Mighty Thor Podcast on social media, Instagram, and then uh, check us out on iTunes and Spotify. We drop new episodes every Monday. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We have some great friends, great co-hosts, and and uh, Cameron's going to have to come on later on this year because he loves Journey into Mystery, and that's you know like required reading if you're a Loki fan. All right, awesome, dude. And we'll have uh, in the show notes we'll have some links to everything too for Thank social you. media as well as yeah, uh, if you have a link tree. Um, I do I yes. Oh, I yeah. forgot about my link tree. Yes, I yeah, do. So, <laughs> so I'll throw that on there as well, so that way it's bridged to everything. Thank you. Um. Otherwise, you can email us at Sutrasidetalk Talk at Sutrasidetalk Talk at gmail.com. Uh, send us comments, feedback, or questions you want to ask us for future episodes if you want. Uh, I'll let you know about the future episodes in a second after all this other stuff. Uh, you can, of course, follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Sutrasidetalk, Talk, all one word. And you can help us out by subscribing on whatever platform you are listening to or watching. And if it's Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review. If it's Spotify, please rate us. And if it is uh, YouTube, give a like on the episode as well. Uh, otherwise, uh, still trying to figure out. I haven't had time, really. Um, but while I'm in Atlanta, I might actually have some time. Uh, ironically enough, uh, while I'm traveling, I might have free time uh, to kind of figure out why only 100 episodes will show up at a time. And each time we put a new one out, the old one gets disappeared from like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I got to figure that out. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, next week's episode will be a remaster of our very first episode. Like I said, we, we started, we tried that out with our Star Wars special we did from episode nine and Mandalorian season one. And it worked pretty well in terms of just uh, cleaning up the audio. So we'll do that again for uh, episode one of Sutraside Talk. Uh, if it's on YouTube again, it'll be a still image because we didn't have video back then. Uh, and then uh, for when I return, uh, we'll have various topics. I'm not sure what order just yet, but we still really want to do our kind of PlayStation DLC double feature of Ghost of Tsushima's Iki Island and Horizon Forbidden West's uh, Burning Shores DLCs, as well as now I've seen we still got to talk about like Fast X, uh, Suzumi, and uh, <clears throat> I know, I guess, when does Beast Wars come out? Oh, I don't know. I like every time I watch a trailer for a movie, I just like blank out on the, the, the date, date and I never remember it. Oh, yeah. Well, they're the new Transformers movies coming out. The one we're actually excited for because it's Beast Wars. It's like the 90s dream. Um, but we have that going on. And I believe soon enough to uh, we'll eventually have Demon Slayer and some other anime and other shows and whatnot. Uh, plus Hogwarts Legacy when I finish that as well. So there, there'll be plenty to talk about. On uh, James's Breath of the Wild 2 or Tears of the Kingdom. I keep forgetting. Yeah, I'm chipping away title. at it. 
Yeah. I did I did 100% Leaky Island, though. At least I'm halfway there. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Excellent. But all right. I think that is everything, folks. Until next time. Catch you later. Thanks for listening. <laughs>